Hello, everyone. Welcome to Riot Act, open brackets, the alternative music podcasts, close brackets, although that isn't actually written on any of our promotional material no. at all, is it, Renfrew? No, I don't no, use brackets. No. How do you keep your um, shelves, book up. Sh- shelves up? Very good. Yes. Hey. Oh. They're still on the floor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> at the Gross. moment, it feels like they are. Really? But, yeah. Oh, my life. Is that a metaphor for... Um, don't know. Uh, <laughs> something. I <laughs> don't even know what. Good I'm start. Stephen Hill. Welcome to <laughs> Riot Act, as I mentioned. It is the Alternative Music Podcast, even though that's just what I call it, really. I hope other people latch on and maybe one day we can officially, by deed poll, change the name. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And that giggling fool that you can hear is Renfrey Deadman. Hiya. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. I'm good. okay. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm not good. too bad at all. Um, big show today. Mm. Really, really, really big show. We are going to be talking about new albums from Slipknot, The Hold Steady, Pine and Conjurer, um, and their Curse These Metal Hands project. Curse These Metal Hands. And Cult Dreams. And it's the return of Trade-Off. Um, between the two of us, we have picked um, one of the singularly most influential records of the millennium. And uh, uh, just a sort of instrumental record as well. And yeah, you're going to be mean. I'm not being mean about it. It's, you know, it's uh, maybe she will versus Kanye West in trade-off. Not even versus. That means that we're pitting them off against each other, really. No, not I mean, that, at all. that would be an odd match, wouldn't it? It would uh, be, yeah. Uh, yeah. You looking forward to talking about Kanye later? Uh, sure. Okay. That's it, is it? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's a very interesting record. Mm, For sure. Uh, Anyway, that's coming up later. We should um, give a thanks to our friends at Musicism, musicism musicism.net. Head over there right now. You know the drill. They've got a website. On that website is a plethora, a treasure trove of advice for you, the budding musician. If you want to be a guitarist or a singer or a producer in the world of music and you doubt yourself and you doubt your skills, do what? Do what Roman Abramovich would do and chuck a bit of money at it. Only nine ninety nine a month rather than... How much did he pay for Andrei Shevchenko? What was it, 50 million, something like that? Uh, you don't know, do you? I haven't got a fucking clue. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, football. Football, correct. Yes, that's close enough. Um, was a good guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty good guess. And uh, yeah, and it's nine ninety nine a month for all the courses to be a better musician. And um, 25% off if you're shopping in the old bargain bin. If you're a wheeler dealer like Harry Redknapp, um, uh, I don't suggest it's part of a bargain bin. They're very (laughs) good courses. No, they are very good courses. But I'm saying, you know, if you're on a budget, you can get 25% off when you put the code right in capital letters in the checkout. And then, you know, that is um, that is what the money supermarket expert, what's his name? Martin Lewis would tell you to do. Uh, Martin Lewis. What a legend. Martin Lewis. Uh, Very rich man. He is from telling people how to make lots of money. He is. Yeah, that's ironic, isn't it? That he probably the reason he's so rich is because he you know buys his sprouts for four p or something <laughs> from little <laughs> yeah from little. hey mate there's nothing wrong with little there's a little around the corner from me I, I've see. got no beef for little yeah, haven't, can... haven't little just announced that they're the most like ethical supermarket in the entire world or something I didn't know that but for some reason I've definitely I've definitely said that wrong but there's something along the lines of like like n- none of their stuff has GM modified right. stuff or something like that well do you know what I have to say. I remember a few Christmases ago, and this is quite an early tangent, I have to say, Hello. but a few Christmases ago, my mum on Christmas Eve cooked me a little pasta sauce. For on Christmas of, Eve? On Christmas Eve, yeah, oh, just for a little snack. Me, did she? 
She fucking was a bit did. Harsh, I'm sorry. Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. Um, what a prick. That was a bit much. Um, she fucking did. And I've got to say, that little pasta sauce was a fucking snack. I was a snack. Yeah, oh, not like fine. Christmas. We okay. didn't have little pasta sauce yeah, yeah, at Christmas yeah, dinner. She just said, this sauce Christmas. is really, really lovely. And I got it from Lidl. Right. And I was like, oh, come on. You're having a laugh, aren't you? And I had it. And it's the, it is the best pasta sauce I've ever had. Wow. Straight out of a tin. That's the best. a hell of a Better thing than Dolmina. Even take that, Lloyd Grossman. Lloyd Grossman's sauce is a very overrated, I think. Really overrated, eh? Yeah. Unbelievably expensive. Though, yeah, um, so expensive. Yeah, really expensive and rubbish. Who would have a sauce like this? <laughs> what a tosser. <laughs> That's a good impression. Do you, you know why? I finally found a good impression that you can do, mate. <laughs> At last. Uh, right, well, I'm out of here then, because that's all I've used this podcast for. Um good. I hate to disturb this right now. And frankly, I'm happy to keep this in. But I've just realised, because we're actually filming, I should say that we're filming, you'll be able to see this on the old YouTube. We've forgotten to turn the light on. Shall I just turn the light on now? We can yeah. have the first five minutes in darkness. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you can do that. I mean, turn the light on. It's going to be fun. You, it might make it look worse, funnily enough. but um, Because they'll be able to see our grotesque physiques. <laughs> even, wow. Um, Is it too bright for you? Yes, but... No, no, no. I think this people will enjoy this. Um, anyway, we're not sponsored by Lidl, but we are sponsored by the good people at Arctangent Festival. Who, like, who knows? Not anymore. I told you that. Oh, I thought you said we had one more. <laughs> Oh, we're not. So Lidl... <laughs> we can wang on about Arctangent if you oh, want. Oh, yeah, okay. But... Well, we're going to Arctangent in a couple of weeks. <laughs> hey, do you know what? Even though we're not sponsored by... No, we're not contractually obliged to say this. I'm still really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to... I mean, well... I don't know if you can get any money off with the code. Can they get? Can they still use the code? Probably uh, not. You can try. You can try. You should come. Try it, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still going to maintain that it's the best festival in the world. Uh, because yeah, I still think that. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And it might come up um, in one of the reviews we're doing later as well. Okay. well in fact, it will in two of them, probably. What? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sweet it will. You're right. Um, Slipknot for Arctangent, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kanye West for Arctangent. <laughs> um, go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to help us out um, now that we don't have a sponsor anymore. Oh, what a shitter. And we mm. will start doing some stuff on the Patreon page. It's been a little while since we've done a Rioters review. I think we should get back on them quite soon. Yeah. I've not had a look on the list for a little while. Uh, it's long. I'm sure it I've is. I've not looked at it for a long time either. But, but we'll, sure do, we'll come back with a, a blur, a flurry of activity. Yeah, let's do no that. No doubt. And I, we appreciate your... You know, contributions to that. We've got to get Bloodstock and Arctangent out of the way, though, first, haven't we? We have, yeah. Mm. Bloodstock this week, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Fucking mm-hmm. so metal. Anyway, <laughs> um, a few months ago, a month or so, a month and a bit ago, we we reported, or I should say I reported, that Woodstock has been cancelled. Um, we spoke about it. Uh, it hadn't been cancelled at the time. But it has has been cancelled now. I'm so confused Sorry about, about that. So Woodstock, I was told, and I well, no, I, I, no one came up to me and said... It was the ghost of Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was people who were still waiting for hey, Steve, Santana man. to come on. Yeah, uh, walked into the 50. desert with an Indian with his bare <laughs> bum showing. Um, and uh, yeah, and did you see the doors is being re-released? What the Martin? Um, uh, Martin. Say, isn't the um, uh, Oliver Stone, Stone one. Mm-hmm. What an absolutely fucking woeful movie that is. Uh, I've never seen it. It's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't bother. Right. Awful. Jim, uh, it's Jim Morrison. Um, Val Kilmer was great as Jim Morrison. Okay. And that is the only reason you would watch it. It is 
utter shite. I read an interview recently where Oliver Stone said that Val Kilmer really uh, lived that part. Val Kilmer was supposed to be mental. Like Aww. a proper loony. Why are we talking about this? Sorry, yeah. We're talking, yep. um, we're we're talking Indians, yep. Yeah. That's why. Really? Oh, I can't say anything. Um, well, you just did. Uh, August the 16th to the 18th, 2019, it was due to take place. It had a very strange lineup of everyone it's from bizarre. kind of uh, Miley Cyrus and Wycliffe to sort of Cros- David Crosby and, you know, some of the, a load of the really, and Robert Plant, loads of the really old people from the time mix of a load of uh like imagine current dragons acts, and yeah. current acts and stuff yeah. and it was just a bit of a kind of hodgepodge of a lineup and a bit of a kind of mixed bill not that i've got anything wrong with a mixed any problem with a mixed bill renfrey do I you mean, know anyone who does I, there is one guy yeah i mean it's actually happened late kind of in the middle of last week i think but um do you want to, we talk about jamie jaster yeah go on so jamie jaster i love jamie jaster he's he's really cool right he is a really cool guy he's a really lovely man and he's in a really good band. I love Hatebreed, as we've spoken about before. Yeah, I'm staying quiet. Um, he tweeted uh, something along the lines of, what the fuck, who the fuck are churches? So um, the the Dia de los Deftones Festival number two mm-hmm. is, was announced last week mm-hmm. with a really great bill, uh, which included Deftones, Churches, and Gojira. I think Brutus are playing as well. Yeah. Um, there's a few other bands that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it looks like a, a good bill. Looks excellent. Curated by Deftones. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jamie Jaster. Who, have, who took, have eclectic tastes. They do, yeah. Um, Jamie took to Twitter to kind of... <sighs> show his outrage at the idea that Gojira would be below a band like churches who he's never clearly was like, who are they? I don't know who they are now. Um, it's a weird one, this, isn't it? Because it's a silly one, it's a bit silly. I mean, obviously he doesn't know who they are, right? He obviously doesn't know who churches are. Jamie Jaster does not strike me as a sort of person who listens to kind of ele- modern electro pop. No. He's no. a man who listens to hardcore and death metal I am and gonna, probably old school hip hop. I'm going to say this super quickly and apologies to interject, but I just looked up on Facebook who has the most fans and it's closer than you would think. Right. But Churches or Chiverches, if we're still doing that joke, um, is only have 9,000 more fans than Gajira. But the fact mm. remains, they're probably a bigger band, aren't they? Well, I think in, if you look at their Spotify stats... I'm sure, yeah, that's probably Their Spotify more stats, they are considerably bigger yes, 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 than yes. Gojira. Um, whether that is in that particular area of the world in America, I yeah. couldn't say for I, sure. Yeah, no idea. Know. No idea. But it would appear that they would be because festival bills, let's be perfectly honest, are not booked on anything other than economics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if churches are a bigger band, I mean, you may be one of those people who are bitching and moaning that Deantwerp were above Power Trip at download, but Deantwerp pulled a lot more people in than Power Trip did. They're it's definitely simple, bigger. Yep. It's simple economics. Um, so I don't think it's kind of worth getting annoyed about that. Bands play where they play based on how many people like them. Churches, to me, having listened to them, make sense as an opener for Deftones, as a sub-headliner for Deftones, because yeah. obviously Deftones, having played with The Cure, yeah. um, having talked about how much they love Depeche Mode and Duran Duran, um, if you listen to Crosses and Team Sleep and Palms, you can tell Chino obviously likes lots of different types of music. They've covered Sade, they've covered um, The Smiths, yep. um, they've covered loads of bands like that, and it's you know they're not a traditional metal band. Nope. So why they wouldn't feel like they had to book a traditionally metal-minded 
festival, they just weren't ever going to do that. Well, I mean, Metallica, Metallica are a tra- more traditional metal band, and when they put on a festival bill, it wasn't, you know, they had Arctic Monkeys subbing for them. They did, they? yeah. yeah. So, Did they have Interpol one year? Was it Interpol? Quite possibly, I don't know. I mean, that festival, <laughs> you know, did not do well, as Metallica yeah. have now kind of admitted. They had the plunked, plunked? fine they plunked a lot of money into it yeah um spaffed a lot of money into it that's better isn't it yeah is it better i don't know um but yeah i think they lost quite a bit of money doing that what was it called orion it was called orion, orion wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah and i like i do like the idea of these kind of bands curating a festival bill. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of it's reminiscent of what ATP used to do and stuff like that, but hopefully... Well, you've got, I mean, just behind us on the wall there, there's a poster of that fucking incredible Robert Smith meltdown. Ah, exactly. South Bank sent a thing that happened yeah. last year, which was brilliant. And, yeah. you know, I saw Deftones, it was, you know, The Cure playing, there was Deftones, I saw Manic Street Preachers, uh, Placebo played, and then you also had stuff like My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, I saw 65 Days of Static. 65 Days of Static, Mogwai playing. Emma Ruth Rundle. Emma Ruth Rundle, yeah. Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard yeah. playing. And that's just the very guitar-y based stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alcest were playing as well. You okay. know, there were a lot of uh, things that were way outside of the kind of remit of just guitar-y, indie, rock, metal, whatever. But, you know, Nine Inch Nails obviously were, were playing. That was massive. Um, and what a cool lineup. What a yeah. great lineup. Yeah, I mean, like most of the time, I think those bills are the bills that are the most exciting because, and the idea of seeing, I mean, the idea of seeing Gojira and then Deftones is very, very appealing. But I think the idea of having kind of like a palate cleanser in between the two probably going to make Deftones seem even bigger and better. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So. I think it just works. I think that as a thing, Gojira and Churches, if you kind of splice those things, I think you might get Deftones. Yeah, possibly. So, you know, to me, it makes perfect sense. It's perfectly acceptable a booking. Um, I do disagree with Jamie regarding, you know, the fact that, I mean, it's weird that he kind of, he picked up on, oh, you know, bands should play their dues. And if you've been going longer, because obviously, you know, because um, you have been going longer than churches, um, although they've got a former member of Aerogram in the bat in churches. Oh. So it's not like they've not pay their dues in any way at a lot all. of people may not know aerogram but they were a scottish sort of trio yeah, uh, post orcs rock trio with bits of like they were very hard to categorize they mm. used to play with ocean size a lot and they were very very good um sort of from the early noughties it's probably yeah. right in there they were great check out aerogram yeah. so you know like that's obviously people who are aware of the scene and aware of what's going on i don't think they're kind of rocking up and just being like what the fuck is this i doubt jamie Jaster knows aerogram oh no no i doubt <laughs> jamie Jaster knows aerogram i told me jamie Jaster actually saying that he's like i never listened at all uh on, on this on this thread as well oh, but goodness but you know it's it's funny if, like jamie said that he also said you should be playing paying your dues and you know the bands with a longer history should be playing for i mean i've seen agnostic front support them so I've seen a yeah, bit of support them. That's the thing. I do get that point they, of view. I do get that point of view of like the longer you've been doing it, you know, it seems only fairer that the bands who've been doing it longer should go higher up the bill. But that's we why just all... Terrorvision should have been above Avenged Sevenfold. Really. <laughs> well, there we go. Right? But we just know that that's not how it works. And and of all the people in the world who should know that's not how it works, Jamie Jaster's one of them, you know? I mean, he makes a big thing about how they took Type of Negative out on tour. Yeah. And they said, you know, as a younger band, we felt like we needed to prove a point that we were able to play above this band. It kind of gives you that boost. And, you know, I don't want to sit here and talk shit about Jamie Jaster because, like I say, I think he's a a great kind of um, spokesperson uh, for heavy music. He is. Like, that's what he likes. 
he doesn't know anything about this world. He doesn't he's not interested in radio pop or whatever. You know, he's just not interested in it. And he, he turned around. It was all kind of like he was like, oh, you know, I didn't realize I was being a dick and stuff. When Lauren oh, from, yeah, okay, from churches right. came back to him, he said, oh, I feel like a bit of a dick now. You said that, and I've listened to you guys and fair play. You know, like it's not like shit or anything. That's not what I'm saying. I just like I like what I like. And he's a dude who listens to that. And what I found quite distasteful about it, and probably. I found more distasteful than Jamie's initial tweet and what Jamie thought about it was the people who jumped down his throat going, this is fucking old man, old white man, toxic masculinity, blah, 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 bullshit. You're a fucking aging piece of shit. Like, fuck you. You should be more open-minded. Like, you know, you're a fucking, who, who even are you? Oh, I love, there are people going like, I love churches and I love metal and I've never even heard of hate breed. It's like, we don't love metal that much. If you haven't heard of hate breed for fuck's sake. Like, I know they're not big in the world, but in our scene, they're a sizable band. Most people should know who hate breed are. Like Jamie's presented the fucking, MTV Headbangers Ball when it came back. He's not an insignificant, you know, this isn't Cole Middleton from Earth Tone 9 saying it. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's a significant person in this community. And I, I mean, especially there's a piece in the NME. And I mean, I don't know who the guy's name who wrote it, but mate, you can fuck right off. It's a lot of do as we say, but not as we do. You metal fans are elitist and you should be more open minded, but fuck your fucking ultra aggressive bloody bloody like oh hate breed oh it's just chest beating thicko macho hyper masculine toxic masculinity bullshit no it isn't you are looking at that purely on a surface level and you are judging it with all the shitty cliches that people always use about metal you are doing that and you're doing that through the prism of going why can't these people be more open-minded why can't you be more fucking open-minded when slayer can play not an ill carnival then yeah maybe metal fans would be slightly more open-minded. And I don't like saying that because ultimately I think the mainstream have been pretty good to metal recently. The earache scum stage at Glastonbury has been really good. Um, You know, Lady Gaga and Metallica did the Grammys. I know that wasn't massively successful, but still, you know, one of the biggest stars in the world showing respect to Metallica. Metal aesthetic is all over the place. Justin Bieber even likes fucking tall at the moment. Do you know what I mean? I think actually the mainstream are less antagonistic towards metal in general um than they have been for a very 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 long time that's why like there's a bit of a tide turning. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and, but i don't like to see those fucking people who sneer at someone like jamie jaster i mean the headline says hate breeds jamie jaster's tweets about churches prove male metal elitism is alive and kicking yeah what the fuck's it got to do like why are you bringing why you got to bring fucking gender and like this fucking Ew, you're white like you're white and male so you're you're a cunt like that is jamie said something dumb right he's just a bloke who doesn't know about pop music mm. and he's been a bit of a like you know kind of small-minded fine yeah call him a metal elitist possibly it's like yeah? me talking about hip-hop which is going to happen at the end of this podcast yeah yeah <laughs> but i oh, mean well. to kind of turn around and be like oh he's a fucking woman hating scumbag like fuck off like you're a fucking yeah. cunt, mate. It's just, it's, yeah, two plus two equals a 107. Like, oh, ev- okay, everything thousand. has to be that now, doesn't it? Everything has to be. Yeah. Like, it can't just be like, this dude doesn't know about pop music. Well, it's shit journalism. Like, yeah. it's, it's you know, good journalism should be two plus two equals four. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it's very hyperbolic and very kind of like, um, I don't know, buzzfeedy. See, historically, I've been really 
quite um uh quite nasty towards the enemy but um just i think since the magazine went and they've started letting mm. metal onto it it's a it's a start yeah which this prick's ruined well i doubt he's ruined it entirely this is a stupid thing to say and do mm. but to say that like the whole thing's ruined i think i mean aren't you doing the same thing uh what the same thing as what by 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 saying the whole thing is ruined, aren't you doing two plus two equals a thousand? Or no, whatever? what I'm saying is, I'm saying that I now wouldn't ever trust, I wouldn't bother, I wouldn't click on anything he ever writes. Yeah. I wouldn't listen to his opinion. If he said, even if he's, he's I don't want to be one of those people that goes, oh, even though he's right, I'm still going to say, well, he said it, so it's wrong. But mm. I probably just wouldn't ever listen to his opinion. Well, it's like the enemy person who can head axe to fall to acdc yeah, um but it's kind of worse than that I, I think it's much worse than that because that's just not really knowing uh, any that's being kind of out of your depth when you review mm. like that guy reviewed st pierre snake invasion and said that sounds like mark hoppus like i mean <laughs> fuck me mate what what where are your ears yeah why have you thrown your ears in the sea yeah. uh Almost talk about radar fest remfrey i went to Quickly. the inaugural radar fest um in Guildford uh, this weekend. Do you know what Radar sort of specialise in? It's um, all your lot, isn't it? No, uh, it's tech. It's more your thing than my thing, definitely. It's tech metal and stuff. And That's it's your thing, isn't it? Not really. Yeah. Um, there was a There's lot... loads of stuff you like, though. Animals and Leaders. There uh, were... So there were... Rolo Tomasi. Yeah. Oh, right, right. There were definitely bands oh, there that... Heart of a Coward. They played, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I'll talk about them in a minute. Um... Uh, there are definitely things that I like there, but I would definitely say it's more you than me. Mm, okay. Um, but um, I'm always interested in inaugural events, inaugural years of festivals and seeing how they go and seeing all the things that they um, cock up uh, <laughs> quite a lot of the time. Um, so it's sort of held in uh, an interesting venue, um, which is a former casino slash strip club. Oh, um and uh Ethan's. Ethan's, yeah and it was very oh god i don't know how to describe it um i mean it was very everything was blacked out um and it was quite a hot muggy day especially on the friday um and as a consequence of this it was extraordinarily hot and incredibly uncomfortable a bit like having this light on us at the moment. <laughs> a little bit yeah and um the, it, I think it's I only mention it because to be honest with you there were a few bands who I was like oh I'd really like to check out so and so and I'll see what they're like and the conditions were so unbearable particularly in the room downstairs um, that I, I, if they didn't hold my interest after three minutes I'd kind of leave which isn't very good like reviewing critiquing yeah. but it really was that unbearable Wow, and I think it's worth you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if people are paying for this event, you want them to be comfortable at the very least. Um, all I'm saying is aircon, guys. Um, we are so behind as a country on fucking aircon. Yeah. I've got aircon in my house. Have you? Yeah. Because I'm the fucking win, mate. <laughs> what? The win. I'm bringing the Charlie Sheen thing back. Oh. But with my own slant on it. <laughs> yeah. And it makes less sense <laughs> somehow. Um... So I would say that as a sort of caveat to all of this, but it's a, I can see why they used it as a room. I mean, it's kind of that 
if you imagine an ex strip club, whatever you have in your head is what it was. Um, and um, but it was like a nice space. It's not very far from the station and all that kind of thing. And it was well put together. Um, and the first band I saw was Loath. We talked about Loath quite a lot. Yeah, great. Um, they were fantastic as usual. I'm starting to feel like the more I see their show, the less impressed I'm getting. I'm kind of seeing more of the taped bits and bloody blah, 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 blah. record, don't you know? I think they need a new record now. And you know, that's partly because I've seen them fucking three or four times in the last, I don't know, six months. And I suppose that's going to happen if you're seeing the same show over and over again. But um but i but having said all that everything i've said before like i think that band could potentially be fucking huge and they'd be great um oh there was a secret act on uh who turned Go out to on. be black futures oh yeah it was really interesting because black futures are not a tech band at all and it was really obvious that they parted the curtains uh they closed the curtains sorry and then you know, they set up and because it's all secret, who is it going to be? Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, I don't know. Oh, Tesseracts. <laughs> no. Um, has there ever been a secret band that hasn't been slightly disappointing for what you're expecting? There's one at Art Tangent, which is going to blow my fucking face off, but I can't talk about it. Is it Huey Lewis in the news? Yes. Right. Um, shame that we've uh, revealed that. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think I can say that. I think I can say that. That Huey Lewis in the news are playing art time. Yeah, sure. Good. Um, but Black Futures, I mean, I think they're a brilliant secret act because the per- the curtains, the curtains part and you have like with well, the white suited people, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, what the fuck is this? Stand up drummer. Um, but I think because maybe it was the wrong festival. Because I think people wanted tech and Black Futures aren't, I mean, they have lots of technical elements to their music, but they're, they're not, um, you know, sit in your bedroom and practice for 20 years technical, which most of the rest of the bill was. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot, an awful lot of what the fuck is this? And quite a few people left, but the people who did stay fucking loved it. And I have to say it was my favorite set of the day. I thought they were brilliant as cool. usual. Um, I fucking love Black Futures. They're brilliant. Their album's coming out at the end of the month. And I am looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, I still haven't been sent that. No, neither have Chris I. Chris Dean. Yeah, Chris. Sort yourself out. Shout out Chris Dean for not doing his job properly. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> do you know Suma? Uh, I know the name. Are they is it S-O-M-A? No, S-U-M-E-R. Oh, Although no, the U no. has umlets over it. No, I don't. So, Suma. Um, I, like, I don't think it's unfair to say Suma are kind of the British tool. And it's really tough comparing bands with Tool because when you when you compare bands to Tool, you usually mean they kind of sound a little bit like Tool, except they're obviously nowhere near as good. Yeah. Soon we're on their first record, and you know I'm not going to sit here and go, "Oh, they're as good as Tool." But are they as good as Tool on Opiate though? I reckon they're better than Tool on Opiate. Poor. You all right? No, yeah, I'm fine. I reckon they're better than Tool on Opiate, and I think I think. Uh, ugh, yeah, I mean, we're probably talking undertow levels, but to be honest, they've released one record. I mean, it's really, it's they, they are a really, really good band, and I don't think many people know about them. No. They released a record called The Animals Are You? Something to do with animals. It's got a walrus on it. I right. like walruses. Have you been to the Horniman? Come on. <laughs> the Horniman? The Horniman Museum. No. It's got the overstuffed walrus in it. What's this got to do with a very 
small festival. Let's talk about walruses, mate. I, I like don't them. care about walruses. See, we're really oh, good. Yeah. I might give. I might. Like, give... <laughs> I've got no problem with walruses. I might give you um, Suma for a trade off because they're okay. really fucking cool. Heart of Cowards are just boring, aren't they? Tosca were um, fantastic as usual. Um, they were playing the downstairs room, and again, it was absolutely. I mean, the sort of environment where you stand there for 30 seconds and then just sweat pours off your body yeah kind of thing so i um i actually only saw half their set which was nothing to do with them i thought they were absolutely brilliant but yeah again just a sort of air con too hot to handle too hot to handle lovely stuff and then i buggered off because i don't really care about monuments but i like monuments Hmm? i like monuments i would have watched you should have come then yeah i know there you go i only got one spare weekend and it was this weekend yeah fair enough um, the next day, though, saw Car Bomb. Fucking Car oh, yeah. Bomb. Yes, please. They were fucking amazing. Uh, they're playing Art Tangent as well, and I'm looking forward to that. Their new stuff. Have you heard their new singles? No, I haven't. Oh, they feel like a real step up. There's one There's one song which uh, where the guitar makes it sound like it's a laser gun, and it's going pew, 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 pew. It's really good. Mm. Not doing a very good impression of it, but it's very, mm-hmm. very good. Um Carbon's new material sounds absolutely amazing. And the fact that it was the highlight of the set when people don't really know it, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. They were absolutely amazing. Looking forward to that. Uh, uh, Rolo Tomasi won't go on about too much because I've talked about it so, so much. And they played the same set as 2000 Trees. They were just brilliant as usual. Yeah. I fucking love that band. Let's move on. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> well, I've, I've talked about yeah, them no, a lot. Yeah, no, no. You have. Talked about them a lot. Um, Agent Fresco... Um, played so they last time they played was portals and i feel like they had a much better show at radar festival yeah um and i mean again this is probably my highlight of the second day agent fresco i just love that band so much and i want them to they're be massive good, i know you love them as well I, do. I think they're great yeah um they are recording a third album at the moment and i imagine i'm already kind of like it's probably going to be one of the best releases of next year um i went over to iceland and heard some demos of it I know, I remember you last year. You did, yeah, you said it on here. I probably did, yeah. So I would imagine it would be on its way. They're very slow. They're very slow, but... A bit like an iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they are, they're from Iceland, so yeah, iceberg. Um, It works. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I I loved it. Um, But they're one of the most, they get on these tech bills all the time. They do. And, And yet they're not, really strictly no the problem is is they they're one of these bands that don't really fit in anywhere and it's really really difficult to describe them i think i think i nicked this from you actually but i i usually say cigarettes meets dillinger escape plan which gives you an idea but even that isn't strictly yeah i think the the dillinger comparison is a weird one really because they get dillinger-esque but only very very occasionally brief isn't it yeah it's very very brief incredibly brief and they're but the fact that it's brief makes it feel heavier. That's yeah, why I love true. it because you really, you're like, what the fuck did that come from? Definitely cigarose thing you can hear, yeah, like yeah. for sure. But it's certainly heavier than than that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So like, to be honest, they how are... Heavier how I can't quite articulate. They um, are one of those unique bands that we struggle to talk about. But as we've said a lot on the show, those are usually the best bands. And I think Fresco are no exception to that. I absolutely love them. And then, um, yeah, then I saw Animals as Leaders. Um I, re- I really enjoy Animals as Leaders on record. What's your feeling on Animals as Leaders? I do uh, I do like Animals as Leaders for a in in like bite-sized sections. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I can't be listening to that for too long. Yep, yep, yep. 
I uh, totally agree, actually. I kind of... <laughs> this is going to sound like damning with faint praise. I enjoy having them on in the background and hearing wibbly-wobbly stuff in the background. It's somehow soothing, which is... It's like when people say black metal's soothing in the background. You know what I mean? Uh, for some reason, I find all those million yes. notes a second soothing. Mm. Um, live, I'm always looking at Tosin... Of course. And thinking, oh my God, you are phenomenal. Mm. I can't remember if I said this on this podcast or not, but I do consider him a Hendrix of our generation. And that might sound hyperbolic, but the stuff the guy's doing is unbelievable. Oh, you are looking very pensive. Hendrix could write songs though, couldn't he? Hmm. I've been listening to a lot of Hendrix recently and I'm not sure if I agree with you, but, um, but that's for something what? else. That's, that's another time. That's another time entirely. Um, yeah, hold on. <laughs> no, you're not just going to flip right, that off. Fine. Jimi yeah. Hendrix can't, is, can't write good songs. Okay. That was not my quote. Um, I, I definitely, definitely think Jimi Hendrix's technical abilities on guitar are way better than his abilities as a songwriter. He's also got some absolutely fucking great songs, whereas Animals and Leaders, unfortunately, don't have any... I don't know. Tempting Time, Cafo, um, um, Barry Shithouse. I mean, I don't know if there's anything that... I think I got away with Barry Shithouse. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Oh, um, Animals in the Zuzu Land. That's a good one. Okay, you made Um, that up. No. You don't know, do you? No. But Cafo and Tempting Time are definitely songs. Mm. They're not cross-town traffic, are they? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, but... Or voodoo child. But also, I don't think anyone's going to be, like, trying to look... Like, listen, he is a fucking great guitarist. There ain't yeah. no getting away from it. And for, like I say, bite-sized bits, to look at that and go, wow, how impressive. Um, I think they're good. It all goes in one ear and out the other with me. I've got to be honest. I will say live, for some reason, it has never translated for me. And I really want it to. I mm. really want it to. Every time I go to see them, I want it to. Unfortunately, this was not the going to be the time that it was going to happen because everything was against me because it was fucking hot, if I didn't mention that, um, in the old room there. Um, the old room. The old strip house. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it was, just, it was just not going to be the time because I was too uncomfortable, basically. Um, and I discovered where the uh, the free beers were for press at that point as well, so I kind of needed to go home. But I saw about 25 minutes and enjoyed it for what it was, but I needed to get out of there because mm. I was like, too hard. Fair enough. Um, Still sounds like it was all right for the first go. I thought it was, I think it's very promising. They have things that they need to iron out, mainly to do with the venue and stuff. I wonder if Guildford is necessarily the right place for it. I did keep, in terms of capacity and stuff, it's similar to the Dome and Boston music rooms and mm-hmm. i was like you know if you just held it there i'd probably be saying 100 percent positive positive things about it um oh, what a fucking london nazi you are well <coughs> i've got no beef with guildford particularly and i do like the fact well actually i do have a beef with guildford it's rubbish but the um the, i think it's cool that they're having events a little bit outside of london and stuff because we don't want to be like all mega london centric even though we often are um but the fact is this is the space is not good as spaces that i've seen in london which would have been better for it and when you know that it's a little bit difficult to be like this was good but it's a shame it wasn't here instead um supposedly they are renovating the 
venue. So I think hopefully it'll be okay for next year. I hope renovating means putting air conditioning in as well <laughs> and making it less sort of strip clubby. You know when you go into a venue and it feels like there's residue on all the walls? Yeah, I don't like that. Mm. Probably was. I felt very dirty all weekend. God. <laughs> um, anyway, that's Radar Fest. Let's do some reviews. Um, let's start. Where else could we start? But with Slipknot, the sixth album from the Iowan Nine Piece Maniacs uh, is called We Are Not Your Kind. And, um, it, well, like any Slipknot release, this is an absolutely massive moment in the world of metal. Slipknot now are as big a metal band as you could possibly imagine. So much like when Metallica or Iron Maiden or insert massive metal band here, when they release an album and people get all frothy about it. Dying Fetus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a this, callback to about seven years ago. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I like it. Uh, the Slipknot album being released is, a, is, is big shit. It's a big fucking deal. It's a BFD. And it's been, what now? What are we saying? Five years? Four years since the... No, I think it's five. Five, yeah. Five. 2014. Five five. Yeah, 2014. 2014, um, we got 0.5, the grey chapter, which... Um, yeah, I we do a recap on that quickly? Yeah, You're about to, sorry. I felt that 0.5, the grey chapter... In fact, well, I'm going to say this straight off the bat, actually. I would never thought I'd like another Slipknot record again. I think All Hope Is Gone is bum. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of good songs in it, but overall it is a proper, like four out of ten record it's crap um easily my least favorite slipknot record i don't think i'd say four out of ten but it is definitely my least i i think all hope is gone is actually shite all hope is bum all hope is definitely gone for me to ever listen that record ever again so when point five the gray chapter came along with a lack of paul gray who's obviously one of the main songwriters and a lack of jerry jordanson who obviously played such a massive part in um shaping the sound of what slipknot was I was a little bit nervous about that record, um, but hopeful always because, you know, they are one of the the big metal bands, as we've mm -hmm. already mentioned. Yep. And it was, um, I think it made sense because of the subject matter and, the you know, the sort of the surrounding um, sort of story of Point Five, the Grey Chapter, this kind of tribute album to Paul Grey. Uh, it made sense. It was a little bit less frantic and a little bit less like the early Slipknot that most of us would have fallen in love with. Bar one or two exceptions. Bar one, Custer. Custer is the main obviously one. Obviously, is, is the main that one. That is the one. That is the main one. But yeah. I I, I would say I, re I really enjoyed Point Five, the great chapter. And I do feel like, I don't feel alone in that, but I do feel like I'm in a minority with that. Mm -hmm. um, again, not my favourite Slipknot record, but I think it is... I feel like a lot of people put All Hope Is Gone and Point Five on a similar level. Yeah, I think Point Five is definitely better than All I Hope think Is Gone. Point, I, per, I personally think Point Five is, is quite a bit better than mm. All Hope Is Gone. But mm. I understand that's it's not a, a seven popular next opinion. It's a a four. For me. Uh, a, or a six. A seven. Mm, yeah. Six or a seven. Mm, pushing an eight, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Not I, pushing an eight. I, I will say this. I believe... It was in my top 20 of that year. I think it was like number 19 or something was like it? that. Okay. But, you know, if any records in either of our top 20s, it's that's Good. a great record. Do you mm. know what I mean? So I will say that. Although this was 2014, which was that's a pretty, true, pretty slow year, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, here we are five years later. Um, like I said, I never really expected that we'd get another Slipknot album that I would really be that bothered about. I always thought there'll probably be a few songs that they'll be able to cherry pick out of each album to play. Still happy to hear, you know, Psychosocial, whatever. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate that song. The uh, Devil and I. Don't yep, mind hearing that. Song. Custer, I think, is mm-hmm. another one that I'm quite happy to hear. So I thought that was where we were with Slipknot, really. Now, um, we've spoken... A lot of past tense talking here, I'm noticing. Mm. Um, <laughs> we spoke before about the uh, the kind of surrounding chaos that was ensuing mm. um, a few months ago when this album's kind of an, release was announced. So Unsainted was released as a single. We got to see The Masks. Um, this is a few weeks after Chris Fenn uh, had kind of departed the band. Um, no one knows who his replacement is still to Although this day. You, you were adamant that it was Chris I Fenn. I thought it was still Chris <laughs> Fenn. Yeah, I, I just really <laughs> thought it was a sort of, they'd made up. Um, but it's not. Yeah. Um, I was wrong. Um, and then obviously, Corey had double knee surgery, mm-hmm. um, like a five days before they returned on the Jimmy Fallon show. And uh, and then after that, I think it was literally two days later. Um, Sean Crayon, who's the kind of band architect, I guess you'd say, uh, mm. the kind of if not the main songwriter, but certainly the visual creative hub. Vision, the visionary, the yeah. vision. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his daughter passed away. So that threw kind of everything into pretty stark perspective. Yeah. I think now, um, do you want to talk about sort of where I come in here? And cause you can buy, I guess we're in a position now where you can currently buy and read the um, cover feature that I did for the latest issue of Metal Hammer. I think it's the best place to talk about it. Okay, cool. So um, if you get the latest Metal Hammer, Slipknot are on the front cover. Nine issues. Yeah, nine Apparently it's the biggest selling issue they've done in over a year, M3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Um, Because of your cover feature. Yeah, well, hey, listen, I'm sure it played a part. Um, (laughs) It's a new Slipknot record, yeah, I'm sure. You know, yeah, it's it's obviously, you know, I was pretty excited to do it like it's quite a big deal for me to have a cover feature and to get to do it with Slipknot particularly in these circumstances I felt like as someone who bought the self-titled album the day it came out who saw them at the Astoria back in 1999 who's kind of followed them but not sycophantically followed them because like I said I have dropped off of interest over the years now and again here and there with Slipknot I was actually quite looking forward to the challenge of writing that piece Mm. um, because there is so much to talk about. Bit of a um, dream job in lots of ways. I mean, yeah. I would have been, I would have loved to have done that. Mm, so, mm, yeah. mm. Um, it was not easy to talk to those people in that time. Uh, I've interviewed Corey Taylor five, about five, I think it was about the sixth time. And Corey Taylor, even when talking to him about Paul Gray, back when the point five of the Gray chapter came out, Corey Taylor was always delightful company, hmm. right? Really outgoing and, and lovely. I got some time on the phone with him and I don't want for a minute anyone to think that Corey Taylor was mean or awkward or, do you know what I mean? It was, it was not interested in talking to me, but Corey Taylor sounded like a man who had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And he spoke really passionately and eloquently to me about how people from the outside of Slipknot love the drama. 
love to concentrate on the drama. They want to talk about Joey. They want to talk about Paul. They want to talk about Paul's widow. They want to talk about who the new member is. They want to talk about Chris Fenn. They want to talk about Clown's daughter. They want to talk about the combustible nature of this band. But no one ever wants to talk about how the, the fact that these are, this is a band who, had, you know, two people have left over a 20-year period, essentially. Paul Gray's passed away. Two people have left. In terms of when you look at bands with far less members, um, that's not a bad return, yeah. is it? It's a pretty good return. Yeah, since, yeah, since, since, since the 1999 album. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be pedantic, there's the mate feed kill. Yeah, but, blah, blah, that's, yeah. but you know, the, the classic Slipknot lineup yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. has only changed really through necessity yeah. uh, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was really adamant to point that out to me. And I thought that was kind of interesting to go into this record. And it felt like I spoke to Jim Root and Jim Root to- told me how he felt like the last album was built rather than written. Mm. How it was kind of built in the studio with each individual member going in and doing their each individual parts, less like a band. Mm. Like how, you know, we all, we've all seen pictures and grainy YouTube footage of Slipknot up at Indigo Ranch with Ross Robinson recording the first album or recording Iowa with all of them in the room together jumping around throwing things at each other going fucking crazy that's the first thing we think of Slipknot recording that's the thing that goes in your head and um, to think of them coming in individually and just sitting down and doing their their parts it's a bit like Happens to loads of bands though. It does. I remember talking yeah. to Gino about it with uh, Saturday Night Rest, the fifth mm. Deftones record, which I actually love. But, yeah. blah, blah, blah. but you know, that was very much the same case. Blah, 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 blah. But, he, but Jim Root told me that they rehearsed these songs and they were written together in a room, like uh-huh. collaboratively. And that when they came to record them, they took the click track off and they, the, the versions you hear on this record are the versions without a click. He said, which gives them much more life. And I think that's usually true of most records, certainly like punk records and stuff. Um, I spoke to, and Jim Root actually was a lovely human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, I didn't get to speak to Clown. um, Understandably. Obvious reasons. I mean, how he was even on that stage at Download, I I think is unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I cannot believe that he managed to make it to those, that European tour. Yeah. Let alone you know talking to a fucking idiot like me like mm. of course and um i talked to mick thompson who basically just kind of likes playing guitar that's mm. all he cares about he just mm. wants to play guitar and pretty good at it as well and he's pretty good at it and i spoke to sid wilson and sid wilson is a very unique individual from reading the feature he appeared to be the most um combustible Mm. he was the only one now so i asked him i said okay so 20 years of slipknot now my big kind of um thing that i said to him that i that that i felt and i felt as a fan this is what i wanted to know because this is why i felt like i wasn't that interested in the last couple of slipknot records first two slipknot records are great i also really love point um point three three. volume three i love love volume three i think it's fucking brilliant but when i think of slipknot i do think of the crazy second stage Ozfest band. Mm-hmm. That's my first exposure to them. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to kind of hope that you get that for as long as you possibly, possibly can? But the truth is, it's very difficult for, you know, as we've mentioned with 
be it Slayer or Dillinger or, you know, whatever band it is, it was split up through, you know, Let Live split up. Like, you know, and, and I comp- I said, you know, Black Flag, Let Live, Refused, um, Bad Brains. I think at one point Mick Thompson went, hey, you know, Metallica's still out on tour together. Like, you know, why should we ever think about giving up? And it's like, because you're not a band like that. You, set f- yeah. you used to set fire to each other. Mm-hmm. You used to jump off of speaker stacks. Like, how can you do that 20 years down the line? How can you still be as heavy a band? And how does a band like Slipknot grow up gracefully? Yes, exactly. And I did this four individual chats with four individual members of Slipknot. And then the next week we did the photo shoot with them. And, you know, that was quite a very like 10 minutes before they went on stage they just kind of rocked up all of them together kind of mm. and and you know i wasn't privy to the actual photo shoot i wasn't there but um you know it was kind of i was around when people were going oh god like we've had to push it back we've had to push it back and they're cutting it really fine and i don't know man if you'd seen them at download as well like i hadn't heard this record at the time so it's quite difficult for me like writing this feature yeah not really having heard the album yeah but only kind of going on their responses to me being like to be honest i thought as a fan i want to be as not antagonistic but i want to be able to kind of ask the questions that a slipknot fan from 1999 would want to know 20 years later Mm. are you still that band Mm. and i walked away from that and i walked away from that download show going there is suddenly a chance maybe i reckon that they've got some sort of second wind well it's also pertinent because um when all out life came out which we should um we should point out is not on this record but it was a single that was um i don't know it was sort of a precursor to this record it's also where the title comes from i think when that single came out a lot of people were like oh this sounds like slipknot old slipknot which got a lot of people excited whether whether Slipknot in 2019 want to acknowledge that or not, that there was an awful lot of people who were saying that. And I think maybe to a lesser extent, but I think the second single, um, un, Unsainted, un, Unsainted yeah. had an element of that as well, maybe. Mm. Unsainted, certainly to me, it's one of the few Slipknot songs where you feel like, and I don't mean this maybe as disparagingly as it's going to sound, but it's one of the one of the few Slipknot songs where you feel like all nine members are actually contributing. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, you know, yeah. there's so much going on in it, and like Sid is all over it. I mean, Sid is all over this record. Full stop. We'll get into that more in a bit. But like, I think there were a lot of people who were going, "Oh, is this going to be a record which is more akin to old Slipknot than latter day Slipknot?" Um, I don't think the record as a whole is. I think it's very much a latter-day Slipknot album. Mm-hmm. Albeit one with genuine fire in its belly. Absolutely. That and I've I'm, not heard since Volume, volume 3. three. So, it's the, yeah, I, well, it's, let's just do this now. It's It's the best Slipknot record for 15 years. By, by a long way by a i would say a, a, a massive margin yeah a massive 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 margin yeah i think this record's fucking brilliant oh cool okay um i think jim root said somewhere i think it was on enemy actually but he said that um 
they went in with this record and they really wanted to make it feel like an album from beginning to end. Yeah. And I think looking back at it, and I'd never really realised this about Slipknot, but I don't know if they'd ever really properly managed that before. Volume 3 is probably the closest they got. I actually, I, I think Iowa's the closest they've got because Iowa is... Um, Maybe. I, I think Iowa... Yeah, I think Volume 3... Depending on what day you get me, Volume 3 is my favourite Slipknot. Yeah, record. I would agree, actually. Um, and I think it's got the most stuff and it's probably overall the most... Um, interesting journey yes of the first three well yes. of the first five in fact of all of them, of all of them. <laughs> yes. yes but um i think there is a there is a theme throughout iowa that is consistent to all of iowa there is a feeling that permeates that record from beginning to end that makes it feel like one whole thing i think hmm um, maybe i mean what i would say is i've said on this podcast in the past that i tend to not be a massive fan of slipknot singles yeah um so you know psychosocial i drives me crazy um wait and bleed really stands out on Does, the yeah. first re- slipknot record when i listen to volume three i usually skip duality Do because, you? yeah because because i've heard it so, so what about much left behind on iowa left behind just about works on iowa i, I feel think it does yeah I think um that's... and heretic answer was technically a single my plague yeah just about so yeah i can see what you're saying with the iowa thing but i, but I do feel like with a lot of slipknot records in the past you know dead memories snuff you get mm. the album the slipknot album tracks which tend to be a bit more experimental a bit weirder and basically the stuff that i'm a bit more interested in yeah and then you get the singles which are just slightly more geared towards uh a melodicism which will get more people on board mm-hmm. now i'm not trying that's probably going to sound a banger. yeah n- now that might be, sound like i'm being very cynical about it i'm not trying to be i just feel like that is how slipknot have been in the past what i really love about this record i quite purposefully didn't listen to the singles before it came out Hmm. and then when i listened to the album um i didn't look at the track listing either and i didn't know what what songs the singles were and it felt like more you must have known i'm saying it was a single I didn't, but I didn't, I haven't, I hadn't right. heard Unsainted until I listened oh, to it okay, a few okay. days ago. So, and then, and so the first couple of times I listened to it, I was trying to guess what the singles were and I just couldn't figure it out. And I think that that, I, I'm really pleased about that because I think this album, it's a bit of a weird one because I think if you pick out moments from it individually, I'm not sure how well it works. I mean, I'm sure it will do live to be honest, but even saying i don't think it works is untrue i just think it works better as a whole i suppose is what i'm saying yeah i agree with you um i absolutely agree with you it's definitely uh, it feels like a long time i mean even that first slipknot record and i know that people will probably be like fucking chucking their speaker across the room at me saying this but even that first slipknot record it drops off in a second it does. half yeah, yeah, yeah it does it does. it does drop off and it's great you know like it's the first half of it is unbelievable yeah it's absolutely unbelievable yeah and the second half of it is really good yes i would agree yeah you know and so the first half is a five and the second half is a four yeah i think that's fair Out of five yeah, yeah i think that's fair and i think you know there are 
I think volume three, you know, most of the new experimental things they do work. But like you say, there are bits in it that are just often don't work as well. Yeah. Whereas this, I will happily, I could, it's, a, it's felt like a long time since I would listen to, I think I listened to my album and be able to listen to it all the way through. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And actually, again, I got the record. I saw, I counted up how long it was and I was like 63 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, because i think every single slipknot record even the classics have had a little bit of gump on them to be honest if i'm yep. if i'm honest no, no i agree um and i thought 63 minutes i was expecting some gump mm. and um i feel like for the most part i mean if i'm being really really picky there were there were bits that maybe i would admit but actually for the most part i was really surprised at how well it worked yeah as a 63 minute journey i think this is very good yeah i think this it's very good. is if you are a modern metal band I, this is how you do it i think yeah yeah i think you like i mean it comes out of the traps the first kind of five tracks are just such a a fizzy giddy thrill do you know what i mean like yeah. it's all it and and it all feels like you know slipknot have had a tendency to kind of, you know, I mean, particularly on point five, the gray chapter, but even the blister exists on volume three as well, you know, and, uh, you know, like start with a sort of slower one, start with a kind of mood piece that sort of eases you in, but there's not really any of that on this. It starts with insert coin, which is mm, a sort that's of, what I was going to say insert coin, yeah, but that's an intro. That's not a song. No, sure. And Unsainted is like starts with a little bit of like yeah, a build up. There's a yeah, 30, 40 seconds or so of build up. I mean, I mean yeah, no, I, I'm not, I don't disagree necessarily. Um, As opposed to full blown songs that are just, yeah. I mean, the blister exists. It, it, that is a song. Yeah. And it takes four minutes before it kind of kicks in. Whereas they don't do that. On, do you mean Prelude 3.0? Into uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 into yeah. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that takes a, a, a long time before it kind yeah. of actually kicks in. Yeah. Whereas, and on this, once they kick in, away you go. Like, there's very little let up in the first sort of five, five songs on it. Generally, I'd agree. I would, I would say though that, I mean, I, by now, I don't think Slipknot fans should be going, "Oh, I want an album that's going to sound like the debut or Iowa anymore," mm. because you ain't getting I, I don't it. think they are that band, and I think Sid sort of saying what he did in that feature is a little i mean sorry to say it, but i think it is a bit short-sighted you are a different person to who you were 20 years ago everyone mm. is everyone is and and to not acknowledge that just seems a little silly to me but the but the beauty of this is i the last two records i didn't feel like slipknot were growing old gracefully and this i feel like they are by going into moodier more atmospheric territory going into you know, I don't think they're trying to be this band, but Cult Luna esque stuff. Yeah, in terms of like using Sid and Craig, the samples guy, like a so bit more. So much more Sid so and Craig much, on this. Yeah, record. so much more, and 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 I feel like they've been shunted aside a fair. Well, yeah, bit. I mean, it, point five in the past. As as um, you know, like to go back to what I what what I was told when writing this feature is that by Corey and by 
Jim Root is that they all got in a room and they created this together. And Corey, one of the things he said to me was like, sometimes it was quite liberating for me to go to give up control a bit and go, maybe the band has a better idea than uh, what's right for this than, than I do. And, you know, there was all these things before, oh, it's Stone Sour now, it's Corey's fucking... Um, like uh, ego project it's not a proper band anymore people were saying that after the last record that was one of the things that people were saying you know it's become like stone sour and i think you know it's a bit much but like i could you can kind of vaguely understand why people would say that vaguely I, yeah i don't think you can say that at all now no i I'm, well i think people will still because well, yeah but they've got absolutely no no i don't think they've really got a leg to stand on i think people still will because um cory sings a fair amount on this record but when cory's singing it, like he he's really his vocal hooks on this record are really fucking good yeah really. they're really good um the melodies are really strong and possibly even the strongest like he had such st- it felt like the clean melodies on the um, self-titled record were very fleeting, but when they were there, they're amazing. Like yeah, things on yeah. purity or mm-hmm. um, whatever, you know. And I, su- I suppose they're, they're more frequent on this record, but they feel like a similar level of quality, mm. I feel like. Um, and I can't always say that that's been the case with taylor's melodies throughout their career no i i yeah especially again especially on the last couple of records i've Mm. not felt like those slower more kind of made for radio songs have stuck with me at all whereas i mean i will say my you know i love the way this starts uh it's you know the first up to critical darling particularly which i think is great was track six um that's got a really nice melodic um hook to it but it's also it, it begins it begins with Corey really spitting it out yeah. almost in a spit it out fashion yeah yeah sorry yeah, i didn't yeah. mean to do it's that got a kind of <laughs> yeah yeah thing, yeah um but it's a great vocal performance it's and, a great vocal yeah and also yeah, you know this has come for him this is written he said this is the most personal album that he's ever written before and i think you can kind of tell that there is like a bit of genuine so what I felt the last couple, and I, I maybe feel like a bit of a cunt for saying this, because obviously, like I'm sure the last record had, had a lot of very personal stuff about Paul, and mm. you know, it was very very heartfelt. But it didn't quite feel like the last couple of records necessarily felt to me like they were about anything. Do you know what I mean? I didn't really think th- it was Slipknot just going, you know, like people equal shit. It's great to shout chant mm. in the field mm. and. It's, it's a very, it's a cool hook, yeah. but it, it is what it is. It's just like, people will shit. <laughs> and if you're fucking brutal and disgusting, like when Slipknot were that, that works really well. Yeah. But when you start to refine your sound a bit and you're not that anymore, yeah. your you kind of lyrical content yeah. maybe starts to sound a bit dull. Yeah. Um, and I think Corey sounds like, you know, you can kind of tell that this record means something to him. You can tell that the songs that you're singing are actually about, failed relationships um the failed relationship that you had and the kind of the 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 depression that set in after that and you know my favorite song on it personally is spiders oh yeah okay fantastic which i think is brilliant and Mm -hmm. it's really although slipknot have done things like that to an extent a little bit before they haven't really done it's a bit it kind of reminds me like of of 
fragile era nine inch nails it's got this kind of um industrialized mechanical beat behind it and it's kind of with a very twinkly spooky piano refrain yeah. over the top yeah and it's got and then this kind of chugged guitar part comes in yeah. and it all feels quite creepy and yeah. threatening but restrained yeah and which is something i feel like they wouldn't have been capable of yeah 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 on the first couple of records and it appears to me to my ears to be about a kind of his kind of paranoia at the outside world i mean i think another thing that corey has been talking about is his sort of social media addiction this like Corey taylor becoming a meme Corey taylor what would Corey taylor say and you know what does Corey taylor think all that stuff and i think that's something which actually has probably affected him quite a lot you know mm. if you've just got people all the time going like all you do is talk and give your opinion you know people fucking beg for his opinion all the time and he gives it and then yeah. at this point he's just become like you know, it's it's a stick to beat him with. Oh, all you do is fucking talk. You're an ego maniacal, blah blah blah, big mouth motherfucker. And I think him having to see that and read all that, because I mean, he again to go back to my feature, he said to me, "I see all of that. I mm. see all of that shit people write about me." He's like, "I've seen it all, and it's fucking shit. Like it makes you feel shit sometimes." Um, and I feel like that song kind of addresses that a bit. That like that kind of paranoia and that creeping thing that you feel like you have to suppress that like addiction to you know social media or the outside mm. world i don't know i don't mm. know but that's kind of what i got from it yeah i i think it's definitely it is definitely a moment on this record mm. um undoubtedly um again i mean something i put in my notes i definitely agree with you it's a brilliant song i don't know if it's my favorite but i definitely agree it's very very good taking it out of context of the record um, I, I it feels like it would lose a lot of its power yeah which i wonder if that's yeah I, I mean i haven't i've i've listened to this album beginning to end every time i listen yeah, to it yeah 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 uh, and i don't i don't strictly mean that as a criticism um to be honest because i feel like this so clearly should be listened to as a whole um but i i i love the fact that it feels like slipknot have been trying to do that more experimental stuff for a while I mean, I think they I think they started it with volume three. And actually, I think most of volume three is incredibly successful. Um, yeah, me too. But here they've just done it with a, I don't know, level, level of restraint, which just feels ever so slightly more sophisticated than they have done on the last couple of records, I suppose. Mm. And Spiders is a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, I think I think even Orphan actually is quite the next track is quite a good example yeah, of that. Is. Starts sounding a bit like Spider Bite from Jerry Cantrell's Degradation Trip, but then becomes like really quite fast and you know moves into becoming a quite a fast slipknot track. It's one of the faster tracks on the record. Mm. And I should say as well that this album the majority of it is, is quite mid-paced, which is which is often code, I suppose, for a little bit ploddy and dull. Mm. Although I don't mean that in this case. I think at this stage in their career, I think the mid-paced, moody, atmospheric stuff works better for them. It works, and also because they are utilising... I, I think it works because they're now utilising everything within their their armory do you know what i mean so much more so yeah definitely loads more yeah. sid loads more craig and 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 not just you know i used to think sid just went <laughs> yeah. 
and that was it. Um, yeah. And he yeah. kind of did for the first couple of albums. He'd just make a load of like <laughs> noise on scratching, yeah. and then he'd be off for two songs. And here, you like he is used less sparingly, uh, sparingly, and his contribution feels like it is part of the, paramount the, the song yeah the tapestry of the song as opposed Absolutely. to just like and here's a bit where we all kind of go crazy yeah um so i think they're kind of they really they're really gelling and it seems ridiculous when you've been a band for over 20 years but this is a an album where it feels like they it might be the album that they that they gel on as well as they ever have as yeah, a band in a weird way or at certainly as it sounds like musically certainly mm. um You've um, skipped over Liar's Funeral. I'm sort of curious as to why, because I think it's... Um, well, Liar's Funeral, I've read a couple of other reviews and stuff, and um, I've seen Liar's Funeral um, get quite a lot of derision, and I've seen it get quite a lot of love, and I'm curious right. as to where you sit on I didn't that. skip over it. Uh, as in, not as, not as on in, purpose. Uh, sorry, as in you've um, not spoken about it in this okay. review yet. No, no, no. I think it's because... Well, it's different to... I think because up to Critical Darling, which actually ends quite like... Mm-hmm you know with a melodic kind of more sort of sorrow sorrowful is that a word yeah yeah okay it'll do yeah um most of that up to sort of track six is quite like ah slipknot um and then it changes a bit well yeah. what do you think of? well Lyra's it's the Shira? first track that comes in with an acoustic guitar yeah um it's definitely incorrect to describe it as a ballad but um when it begins, it sort of reminds me of Circle from Volume Three a little mm. bit. Yeah, because they both got acoustic guitar on them. <laughs> um, but I really feel like it builds into this massive stomping, lurching epic. Yeah, see, um, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I did. I have to say, when I first heard the acoustic after that opening, mm. when I first heard the acoustic guitar, I kind of went, "Keep it going!" Like I want let's keep this fucking train cantering let's keep it rolling but by the end of the song like you say it really built into something different yeah, but it builds so well that's mm. the that's the thing i think you know i feared we were gonna get another snuff, snuff. Or, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah but it's definitely not that i i so so circle um when i compare it to circle on volume three that is a uh, high praise i think circle was an incredible song yeah it's good um so I do mean that as a compliment. I think it's, I think it, you know, and, and, and it building in, I mean, it becomes something totally different to that, to be honest, but it reminded me of that to begin with. And then it just has a lot. I mean, I understand what you're saying about it's starting, you know, and jumps out of the tracks and it's really, I mean, there, there is a, there is variation in the first There's variation, but it's very, it's an aggressive record. Yeah. It begins as such, but then towards mm. the end, there's a run of three tracks. I think it's Orphans, My Pain, and uh, there's one other one. Not long for this one. There we go. Those three tracks feel very, so much more kind of moody and atmospheric. And yeah, you already mentioned it, Nine Inch Nails-esque. Something going more into the realms of the sort of soundscapes that Reznor would go into. I don't think it's as... I don't think it's as good as, as Reznor at his best, because to be honest, there's very little that is. But... I think Slipknot are starting to really embrace that in a really, really positive and really well done way. And it's really refreshing to hear that because 
yeah, I've, judging from the last couple of records, I wasn't sure if Slipknot ever were going to, I keep going back to this, but I wasn't sure if Slipknot ever were going to grow old gracefully. But this feels like them doing that and going more into those kind of cult of lunar passages and yeah. those kind of things. Um, I think I think the difficulty with this now is like, you know, if they're going to continue down this path, are they going to be then compared to those bands? I don't know if they ever will be or not, because maybe Cult of Luna fans won't ever take them seriously. I don't know. Mm. Um, but if they're, a, if they, you know, and I think they could be like, if they're, you know, they, they opened the door to a lot of extreme metal and death metal when Iowa mm. came out. So if they can open the door to make people, their fans go and listen to, you know, the sort of fans who would never listen to Cult of Luna or Neurosis, if they yeah. can get people to listen to that sort of thing then that's that's a great thing and slip might have the power to be able to do that which they is absolutely amazing. do and it feels like this album could be a stepping stone to a neurosis or a cold lunar or a mm. bosk or whatever yeah. and when you think that's a band when we're mentioning them and this is a band who i mean you know we don't know what their touring plans are but presumably when they come back they'll be doing wembley there's a lot on this record that I want to hear live, mm. a lot. And mm. I, I can't say that about 0.5. I definitely can't say that about All Hope Is Gone. I no. don't like All Hope Is Gone. No. <laughs> um, but this is really fucking good. I think it's, I definitely think it's the most consistent Slipknot record they've released in a long, 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 long time. There is a debate to say it may be the most consistent Slipknot record ever. I don't think yeah, the highs, I don't think the highs are the highest Slipknot have ever been. But it's it's just really nice to have a record, a Slipknot record, where you sit down, listen to the whole thing and go, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to listen to most of that, you know, because there's, there's, there's usually moments on most Slipknot records where you're just like, okay, I don't really need this or this doesn't feel like it fits in with the journey that I'm being taken on or whatever. And I feel like maybe this is the first Slipknot record where that, that's happened and they've achieved that. It's pretty good. It's pretty um, exciting, man. Yeah. To be good. 20 years in to be getting that fucking excellent, excellent work. So anyway, there you go. Um, we Are Not Your Kind by Slipknot is out right now. I mean, if you're a, uh, interested in metal at all, presumably um, <laughs> you're pretty excited. And I hope if you haven't heard it yet, you get even more excited about it now because I have to say, I think it's great. I think this is... Definitely, when we come to doing albums of the year, top 20 albums of the year, I had, I, I, I had not considered that this might be in the mix. Oh, yeah. And it's definitely in the mix. Mm. Definitely for me. Really is. I feel like I need a bit more time with it, but possibly, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our next record. It comes from The Hold Steady. It's called Thrashing Through the Passion. Uh, <laughs> it is the seventh album from The New Yorkers, uh, a band that we recently featured on Trade Off. Uh, when you gave me Boys and Girls, Boys and and America. Girls in America. Um, uh, yeah, this is their seventh record. And um, it basically continues, I guess, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the sort of long tradition of them writing brilliantly evocative, uh, heartfelt, heartland, Americana, punk, rock. Songs. Don't don't disagree with that. With with a great poet at the yes. front at the front of them, um, there is an important distinction with this album for fans, and that is that this is the first album where Franz Nicolay Nicolai Nicolay is back on keyboards. He wasn't on the last two records, if memory serves, and missing his lovely kind of jaunty, almost Springsteen esque piano stuff 
it's been it's been tough for the hold steady i feel because those last couple of records it they were fine they were good but it did feel like something was missing yeah um you from what i recall you have heard in my opinion Hold Steady's best album, which uh-huh. is Boys and Girls in America. And you yep. also said you heard Heaven Is Whenever, yep. which in my opinion is their worst album. Okay. So I feel like in a way you are you actually have quite a good place to review this because yeah. I feel like and, you've and, heard their best and their worst. <laughs> and I think this kind of sits <laughs> in the in middle. Exactly in between. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. agree with you. Uh, yeah. I think there's some fucking excellent stuff on this. I yeah. love the horns on, I fuck knows how you say that song, but... Um, Epilets? Is that is that epilepsy? Epilepsy, yeah. Is that how you spell that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but there's some great like E Street Band totally agree. horns on that, which is just like so rousing, glorious that song, isn't it? and yeah. rousing. Yeah. Um, there's Did- also a really odd uh, sort of time signatured chorus, which actually yeah. you think because most of this is just this music is not meant to make you. Sc- stroke your chin and go hmm, i wonder what they've done it's meant to make you yeah. dance it's meant to make you fear it's meant to yeah. make you sort of laugh and feel you know like a, it's rock and a roll. kind of yeah kind of a giddy joy yeah. at the yeah. joy de vivre of, of life but the chorus to you did good kid which i love is so yeah. kind of catchy yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's it's vocal hook if you like mm. is so, it's so oddly off kilter that i was like oh what a really clever weird little trick you did good kid mm. You did good, kid. It's yeah. really, really good. And it, it will stick in your brain pretty much forever, I yep. would say. Um, and the other thing that I really, really like about it is uh, the kind of the, the shout outs to um, the guy who looks like Kirk Hammett. Yes. And the guy who used to play with Peter Tosh, but I don't believe him. So like, on Denver's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, on Denver's haircut, um, which is the first song on the album, it features a couple of couple of cool uh, references to Metallica, actually, and mm. Agnostic Front. Yes. I don't know if you've got the Agnostic Front one. Uh, and a clock on the bed stand with a cord to connect it, liberty and justice into Master of Puppets. Yeah, yeah. Rolling off of the mattress, waking up on the carpet, it shouldn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Craig Finn is still a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant poet. I'm only going to read one more from um, Entitlement Crew, which is a brilliant song, yeah, track six. Song. Mm. But now here's a church, here's the steeple. I like the party favours, but I hate the party people. Got distracted by the chorus when the kids all sang along. Moved to the rogue set. I always really liked that song. You like that song too. I know that you do. I saw you mouthing all the words when you didn't know I was watching you. Everything is brittle and is breaking apart. Your sister's in Seattle and she's sleeping with the sharks. I remember you still playing his part yeah it, and like there's so many references to that where like you have to look up what the fuck he's talking about mm. like you know she's sleeping with the sharks is a reference to something that i didn't know about and stuff like that but it sounds so poetic and as Shakespeare says rolls trippingly off the tongue well it does in his mouth doesn't it doesn't it? yeah not mine but no, it doesn't hear it's quite nice it's quite good mate but he's got <laughs> such a cool I, like, I don't even know what this guy looks like but i imagine him to look like tom waits and he he doesn't but okay yeah, yeah. and I, I don't want to disappoint you I no i know no but um i imagine him to look like tom waits and i i imagine him just to be kind of chewing tobacco and he just like everything just rolls out of one side of his mouth yeah yeah um yeah it's you know in the, in the same way as we talk about you know the guys in the men's thing or brian yeah. fallon um this is just feels like something that has been put together by a bunch of dudes in 20 minutes in a rehearsal room and it's just been kind of you know effortlessly just kind of 
tossed out into the world because it's like hey this is a this is what we did last year yeah i yeah. fucking like it's really great man yeah this band a, are really great they're cool aren't they they're yeah, really they're really, really good. good and i love the fact that i mean i do totally agree with you that you know if i'm totally honest in the hold Cities back catalog i do think this fits somewhere in the middle but the fact that this record is the middle you know that's actually quite a good that's quite a good, it's good enough for jimmy eat world um it probably should be probably should be said that some people are not going to enjoy craig finn's delivery uh because it's uh i think it's brilliant i totally agree with you and that rolled out of the mouth kind of thing but some people just aren't going to get on board with it and i i understand that because it's yeah it's half sung half spoken it's very difficult to sing along yeah 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 yeah, he's kind of mumbling yeah but the fact that you can mumble and make everything sound so poetic, so poetic yeah. and so memorable. Yeah. Well, I said on the Boys and Girls of America thing, he he actually he technically started in the poetry world and just yeah. kind of joined a band. And once you know that, it totally makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, my housemate, uh, hello Amy, she cannot stand <laughs> the whole steady, and it's all because of Craig Finn's vocal delivery. And I get I it. Find that but very strange. Ah, uh, she's say. a strange person. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, he got she struggles it, with it. I mean, last week we were talking about again to bring out Volbeat and Michael Polson, an affected voice. You know, like he's Danish, mm-hmm. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you know, <laughs> I I I like a lot of Volbeat stuff. I think you know I was pretty clear about that, even though I wasn't making that album. I got no problem with that, but it does feel like a character. It feels affected, yeah. and I, I feel that you know Craig Finn is not that. He is the opposite of that. Um, this does yes. just feel yes. like a dude who has woken up and kind of rolled over and rocked up in with a kind of crumpled all the lyrics written on the back of a fag packet and has just kind of spat out the first thing that comes into his mind. And, you know, that's... Which just happens to be the most poetic yeah, thing you've ever is, heard. And, yeah. and that's yeah, kind yeah. of beautifully... I don't know. It's just sort of beautifully honest. And I, I agree with everything you've just said. But yeah. I understand. I also understand that his vocal delivery won't be for everyone. I'm just I'm, I'm throwing it out. There. Yeah, Some okay. people will not enjoy his vocal delivery, Fine. but I think it's brilliant. Yeah, so. very very good, very unique. Um, but again, I mean, if you are a fan of this band, well, you know they're seven albums in, so you probably know what you're yeah. going to get. Yeah. If you haven't heard them before, I think this is a pretty like for me. I, I, if you'd have given me this and I'd never heard them before, I would have thought what a great band. And then if you'd have given me. Um, boys and girls, boys and girls in America. Yeah. Then I think I would have lost my shit after that completely. So uh, maybe yeah. that is the way to do it. Then yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you've never heard this band before, I would say this is not a bad place to start. On the, on the three albums that I've heard, if I heard this, if actually, um, I had this on the other day when uh, Emily was around, my girlfriend was around, and she likes Springsteen and all that stuff. She's American, um, of course. but I hadn't heard this. Band. Of course, she's American, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> I meant of course she likes Springsteen. Yeah. yeah, fine. And um and she was like, They're great. And I was like, Yeah, yeah of course they are. Very much in that tradition, aren't they? Springsteen yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um the brass on um Blackout Sam is very Springsteen y and stuff yeah. like that. I love that song so much. There's a bonkers guitar solo on it as well. Yeah, and you know, wow, what's not to like? quite well i, I agree like. with you i agree with you we yeah always get amy got, on and ask got, her what the hell she's talking about you got big problems if you don't like this like, why, why do you hate Google? this is why we can't have nice things etc etc <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know what that means anyway um the hold steady uh the record is out right now this is new isn't it? it's only just come out i believe uh no it's out next week this one okay so this is out 
if you're listening to this on Friday, this is out the week after because we're having to push some things because it's going to be busy next Basically, week. We'll get back. We'll get back to why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's shitloads happening next week. Yeah. So Thrashing through the passion is the name of the record. It is very good. Right. We got a couple more to do, and then we got. Well, we should probably start thinking about moseying out of here, Rimfrey. We're well, doing trade off first, though. Right, we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. right, see, That's going to be a long one, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Cult dreams. Uh, Things that hurt is the name of the next record that we're going to be talking about. Cult dreams used to be called Kamikaze Girls, who released a really, really brilliant record called Sea Foam in 2017. It was actually in my top 20 albums of the year in a very, very good year, 2017. Mm. I hasten to add, it's a brilliant album. Sea it's Foam. a very good album. Feels like it's a bit more indie and slightly less furious than the record that we've got now. Uh, this one. Uh, sorry. Um, the sea foam. foam is... Oh, mm, okay. Mm, I yeah. think. Um, mm, mm, mm. There are bits of it that remind me of kind of... Well, maybe not Furious is not the right word. I think... I, I feel like the first one's punkier. Yeah, but it was a, a, a certain type of punk is mm -hmm. what I sort of... A sort of alt-rock... Mm -hmm. It had a real night. Not that this doesn't. So this one's also got quite a big '90s vibe when you think of the the kind of Smashing Pumpkinsy wash on the guitar. They're but, described as a lo-fi punk shoegaze band, which mm. actually is a very good description. Yeah, um, I thought that last album was oh, what's the, what's a good word? Uh, upbeat, maybe. Okay, yeah. And this one isn't. This one's more downbeat in it and angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's angrier. Yeah. I think so. But yeah. you like angry stuff. I like angry stuff. You're an angry, angry. guy. Angry, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so quite a, a spiteful thing. sounding record a lot of the time this new one. Can we talk about it, by the way? So they are called Cult Dreams now. Did I? Did we establish that? So they were you established that they used to be called They used to be called Kamikaze. Kamikaze. They're now called Cult Dreams. They're not called Things That Hurt. And so I want to make sure we get the titles around the right way. Shame that. I think Kamikaze Girls is a, is a, like, it's a bit like when Baby Godzilla changed the name to Heck. Mm. Well, Baby was Godzilla was a better name, unfortunately. I mean, names mean fuck all, so it doesn't really doesn't really matter. But Kamikaze Girls is probably a better name than Cult Dreams. I, I will say one thing: I do think Cult Dreams uh, sounds more like they sound. God, I put that in a bad way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I put that in a really bad way. Yeah, but, okay. but yeah, I think it. I think I think they sound more like a Cult Dreams than a Kamikaze Girls. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Anyway, we should probably talk about what it does sound like then, shouldn't we? Don't worry. Um, yeah, so uh, this is the kind of... This feels like an emotional beefing up of Seafoam, I think. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think um, Lucinda, who's the front person, is a very... Um, is very angry about a lot of shit that's going on in the world. I think the, the second song... Um, not my generation just feels like three and a half minutes it's like a three and a half minute diatribe against everything from sort of sexual misconduct to how shitty our current government is you mm. know and like she, she just spews it all out in this in three and a half minutes and says this is why i'm not a part of this generation and i don't want to be a part of it and bloody bloody blah. Mm. we said this a little bit about petrol girls and i definitely feel it on this record as well is that there is I don't remember. I mean, you'll have to excuse me because actually I, I meant to listen back to Seafoam in the kind of run up to this, but I don't remember it being as kind of furious. I, I literally listened to it on the way here because I thought I better listen to Seafoam again because it's been a little while. Yeah. And yes, it's not. I wouldn't say 
it this feels more personal this record mm. it really does and it feels like some of the songs are uh, as a result of the band touring um seafoam and there's a part i'm gonna paraphrase it unfortunately because i haven't got it written down but it's something along the lines of people only ever listen to me when i have a microphone yes um, yes that's on brilliant stage yeah. but off stage they just still don't give and a it, fuck you and, know and it's barely um again it's barely sung it feels mm. like it's just being said like this thought has come into my head now yeah and i really love that you know kind of um realism and integrity and sort of believability are all really really important things for me in music particularly this type of music yeah and again i think we said it with petrol girls when we were reviewing that record it's really cool to hear um and i think i would have said it about the the bad breed when we talked about bad breeding last week i'm not sure i actually said it at the time but to see the dude in bad breeding and really feeling like i didn't really don't really know what he was saying particularly live like you know i, I couldn't make the words out at the time but you know he but you, it. it's like there is obviously something that is deep seated inside you that you feel like you are kind of compi- compelled to get out. Mm. And um, there's a lot of bands in the UK at the moment, a lot of a lot of really cool underground punk bands that are that feel really urgent. Mm. And this is a really urgent sound. It feels like a you know I loved Seafoam, and I think the shoegazy stuff was probably a bit more prominent as well. Oh, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I feel like I feel like um, I feel like the shoegaze stuff has been ramped up for this record, which I really oh, okay. like. I have to say, yeah. I mean, um, I I like it when they do those bits, but I feel like because there's a lot of pace on this record, like there there feels like there is a lot of yeah. There's um, a fair bit on Seafoam though. Yeah, there is. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm talking shit. Um. But anyway, it feels just urgent. Yeah. 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 You know, this I mean, record feels really urgent. I'm going to say this now. I so I agree with everything that you're saying regarding Seafoam. Um, I the first time I listened to this record, I went, I prefer this one, and I I think Seafoam is brilliant. And and you having it in your top twenty, I think it was in mine. You know, I, I it, that 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 was a great debut, and I think this is an even better follow up. Um, and I think it's kind of what i really adore about it is those washes of guitar that 90s smashing yeah. pumpkins s shoegazy wash guitar thing which i am a bit of a sucker for married to these almost nursery rhyme-esque vocal melodies a good example is actually the single which people will be able to hear now uh which is curled no we never rest we, yeah that's i was going to pick that up that is a fucking brilliant song and a great choice of single as well yeah really yeah, really clever choice of single amazing song and the chorus is just like just don't worry keep on going you know it's it's so simple it's really nursery rhyme-esque but with those guitars it just it's just fucking beautiful. It just really works. Yeah, it really and does. And it's got um, two people from the world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid, afraid to die on it as well. Oh, yeah, which is it? just cool. It just adds to it. Um, yeah. I didn't realise that until I read the press notes, but when you I You and your bloody it, press notes. I like press notes. What can I say? What can I say? What can he say? Um, <laughs> um, but then, you know, but also mixed up in that kind of... Um, the, the, mixed up in that nursery rhyme-esque delivery i guess there's quite harsh 
there's very, very personal lyrics. So on a song mm. like Brain Days, she's singing, Lucinda's singing, I have dreams, I'm dying most nights. Could you wake me up and drag me out? You know, and like, it's quite, it's really very, very, very personal and quite heavy, What a lot of what she's singing about. And done well, just in, to look at the title track, yeah. the titles on, the, on this album, uh, like Born an Underdog, Don't Let Them Tell You Otherwise, Repent, Regress, Toxins, flowers on their grave i mean you know it's obviously a record with a lot of um i don't want to use the word angst but angst feels like because angst is people using of teenage angst which is like you know a bit of a sort of insult but i don't mean it as one um teenage angst has paid off well according to mr cobain so i mean yes i understand what you're saying um and i don't disagree but then i would also say if you just had it on in the background and you were, it's that, it's that Weezer thing of, you know, you have it on in the background and you're not listening properly. And you're just like, these are nice, happy ish songs, very sort of shoegazy and s- slow, but they're, you know, relatively happy, bloody blah, blah. And then you listen to the lyrics and it's like, Oh my God. And we've talked about that a fair bit. Like the pup record was a bit like that. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. The pup record was really good. Yeah. But it's just, hey, it's a trick that's been used a lot, but it works. I love it. Work. I yeah. really, really love it's it. Really good. Um, I love this record. I think it's really awesome. Yeah, um, I, I really like it as well. Okay. You I, don't seem as... Um, No, I do. I think it's good. I do really think it is good. Do uh, you like it as much as Seafoam? You're not I, sure yet? Do you know what? I don't know. Okay. But the fact that I don't know means it is a good record. Yeah, that's, is a good record. but that's encouraging. I think this is a good record. Whether I prefer it to the first one, I might have to go back and listen to it. Because to be, to be perfectly honest, it's been a little while since I've listened to that record and I should do. I've got it on vinyl over there. I'll, I'll put it on later. Good. Uh, but anyway, that is Cult Dreams, Things That Hurt. It is out next week as well. So it's another one that is out a week from today if you're listening to this podcast today it came out as is this one i'm afraid as is the next one right i know it is yeah so the next thing we're going to talk about is pine and conjurer together uh, at last at last <laughs> curse these metal hands is uh the name of the ep um two bands that we have massively you calling it an EP? well it's four tracks it's, an it's EP. four tracks but it's over half an hour long yeah but that's an ep isn't it three of those four tracks are over 10 minutes? Yeah. Like one of them is two minutes long. So it's really True. only sort of three songs. Well, no, two minutes is a song. I think, I think they're referring to it as an album. But if you want to call it an EP, Steve, you go ahead and call it an EP. That's fine. Mm. I suppose, yeah. It could, I mean, it could be an album. Albums are half an hour, but then some EPs are half an hour, aren't they? It's, it's a Four tricky, tracks. It's a tricky thing. If they're saying it's an album, who am I to argue? Yeah. It's an album. Um, obviously, two bands that we have massively bigged up in the year that we've been a podcast. Absolutely. Um, this formed, I think, as an, as an idea for Art Tangent. Yes. Um, which is, you know, cool. Yeah, I believe, or oh, I might have got this wrong, but I believe um, James Scarlett from Art Tangent asked uh, a few bands to collaborate together, and that's basically how this project started mm. um i actually spoke to uh brady lovely brady oh. uh mm. to um uh, last year just before they did the set and i said what's it sound like and he told me it sounded like queen with screaming <laughs> and it's not entirely off it's not it's kind of apt it's sort of i i mean i thought he was being a, an idiot 
No, um, no. But it's not. No, not it's totally not off. that ridiculous a thing to say. I, I think I would more accurately say uh, there's no denying it. We cannot get away. Or To be honest, the band have kind of been saying this as well. So I think it's fine to say that it sounds... There's a lot of Red Album Baroness on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say Red Album Baroness mixed with Thin Lizzy. Um, yeah. Those kind of... Uh, well, again, those kind of dual guitar kind of... Big dual guitar. Yeah. 70s rock. Yeah. It definitely sounds like... I mean, if you look at all of the like photos that they've done and stuff, they're all posing in these like weird kind of power metal poses. Oh, like, yeah. yeah they're, okay. It's... I think... I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're not taking this project seriously or anything like that, but it is obviously compared to their day jobs being taken less seriously. Mm. Sometimes that's a bad thing. And sometimes it's actually a very, very good thing because you just get a bunch of mates getting together and having a laugh and producing something fantastic as a result. Mm. And I think this is very much the latter. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. And the fact... It's really good. And uh, Sorry, go on. Well, the fact that you can kind of hear elements of both bands maybe pine in kind of the composition of the songs and the length of them but yeah. conjure in the you know i suppose riffs and there's a bit of screaming and stuff i mean i think brady dan and joe all sing on this record at right. one point or another but it isn't simply pine and conjure mixed together there is more to it than that as well there are elements on this record that neither of those bands would ever i, I can't imagine conjure going into a thin lizzie-esque thing and i can't really imagine pine doing it either no 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 no. um so not only have they mushed together what they do but they are adding other elements as well Mm. um i really this is just a really fun record i really love it yeah it's really good and i think you're right i think this is one of the more successful records of its kind in balancing um the personalities of both of the people who are you know both of the the artists who are getting involved so i mean how they've managed to do it with brady's ego i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean really heavy and technical parts and then really involving lengthy progressive and often beautiful parts and when they coalesce like i mean the last song the way it all ends that kind of massive stadium rock like at the end that like triumphant kind of they'll be so proud thing that comes up at the end i was like what a fucking superb way to end a yeah, record. Yeah. To actually go, ta-da! Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. actually do do that. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. But the the and nerve it, of them, really. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose that's what I mean by kind of having a project where you feel the brave... I can't imagine either band would feel, would have the bravery to do that with their day jobs, quote-unquote. Yeah. But because this is kind of like... And this is sort of like when side projects are at their best. It's like when... The pressure is off enough to be able to um really my- flights of fancy yeah and yeah, you yeah, know yeah. those it's like when you have those conversations you sit down and you go oh can you imagine how funny it would be if we did that mm. to actually trying to find a way to do that and not let everyone in on i don't want to call it a joke i don't think and it not be shit yeah i think that's it to kind of go let's see if we can actually get away with doing that and to yeah. do it is really cool yeah i really really like this it's kind of heavy it's catchy, it's melodic, it's very progressive and, you know, the songs are long. Um, but do you know what? They are long. They, they don't, don't feel, feel long. long. No, they don't, hey, do they? Yeah, it jinx. does go, Jinx. Um, I've just jinxed you. Oh, well, what, what, where are we then? What are we going to do? I'm just going to sit here in silence, am I? Yeah. Can't imagine that happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very good. It's brilliant, and and I think I also think if if you've listened to Pine and you've listened to Conjure and you don't like either bands, a shush, b <laughs> the, <laughs> b, I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to like either the bands to like this. No, you probably necessarily. Not might help to be fair it, it almost certainly will help but i i can def i can imagine fans there will be fans of pine and condra who don't like pine or condra yeah that sounded like a ridiculous sentence but i said it and it's true no no you're right i'm yeah i'm, I'm sure they don't have a universal crossover appeal but maybe they'll find it for this and more maybe they'll be as big as like the eagles off the back of this do you know the other funny thing about it though it's probably i mean i'm not in any way calling this commercial but it's probably the most commercial thing both bands have done, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know? So there you go. Queen with Screaming by Pine and Conjurer is <laughs> out. Sorry, Curse These Metal Hands is out in uh, a week's time from now. It's really very, very good. It's really good. Well man. done, chaps. Um, here we go. The return after what feels like fucking forever of trade-off. Um, Renfrey, one once upon a time in the distant, distant past, you gave me maybe she wills not for the want of trying the debut album from the UK instrumentalist, which was released in two thousand and eight. Both of our albums um, this week were were released in two thousand and eight. Um, one has had a slightly bigger cultural impact than the other. Uh, it's fair to say. Can't deny that. <laughs> you can't amazing. deny that. Yeah. Um, and um, but that doesn't mean this isn't good because it is good. Uh huh. Okay. It's good. The reason I gave this to you primarily, I maybe should have done it soon after you gave it to me. You gave me public service broadcasting once and expected me to like it. And I came back to you and said, it's all right. But uh, public service broadcasting use a lot of samples in their stuff. Pretty, do. It's pretty much samples in every oh, single Yeah, yeah they are. You know, that's their thing. I think the thing that I wanted to say was I... I'm all for samples from time to time in songs, but when it's like every track, I get a little tired of it. Um, you know, sort of the lemon jellies. I mean, I do actually quite like lemon jelly, but in small doses, you know. Avalanches? Yeah. You know, again, mm. all in small doses. Um, and I think the reason for that is I feel like no. Sample core, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> really, I wanted to bring Fair it in. Fair use core. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of samples, I can't think of a band who have used samples better than Maybe She Will. Well, okay, so we just we're talking about the network, the kind of oft overused network quote. Now, yes, I knew you were going to bring this up, and that is fair to say. Now, I think at the time, this was the first time I'd ever heard this network speech mm. being used. Well, it's one of the best times I've heard. It Absolutely, used. yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really great. The most powerful, and and that network speech has been. Oh, obviously, you don't know the one. It's um, um, I want you to get I up. I want you to get up. I don't see that I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it. That guy anymore anymore that was very good um, i saw brian cranston do that at the uh national theater wow yeah. my friend dan was in it no way yeah my friend dan was in the whole thing he didn't even get i bought tickets he didn't even get me 
passes or anything. Oh, fucking fuck actors. Yeah. But yeah, Wankers. Dan was in it. My mate Dan was in it. He was he was good. But Brian Cranston was amazing. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Fucking amazing. And that's a brilliant film as well, Network. Yeah, if you've really not good. seen it, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. But um yeah, that speech has been used to buggery recently. It feels very apt at the moment because it feels like there's a lot of apathy, even though um many, many, many Western countries you hang around with me so much. So <laughs> why you feel like there's a lot of apathy. <laughs> Even though there are many Western countries who have absolutely deplorable governmental situations at the moment. And so I think that's the reason why this network speech seems to have come back into parlance. All right, Che Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's You're on what YouTube they now in Renfrey's fucking... <laughs> like in the resistance. In his, that's, that's not in Che Guevara. No, in his cave, like Osama Bin Laden, <laughs> <laughs> sending out videos to... <laughs> me just sitting here going i don't care i mean it would be amusing to to put you in a a little um cultural bag, appropriation put, that no, is no i was gonna say put a bag over your head all oh, right a, a gun yeah. to your head. maybe we should do that for an advert for the youtube channel what what, what, what why why just, why just be a laugh no, it wouldn't be a laugh. It would be ridiculous. Not people for you. Go, be not for anyone. No one wants to see that. Well, people do you, go. People, people who want to see um, Steve with a bag over his head and a gun to his. <laughs> please tweet us, and we'll try and make it happen. <laughs> yeah. If enough of you want to do it, at the real IRA. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we only need three people to say yes for us to do it, so that's fine. Um, what was I talking about? Maybe she will network. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the best use of that speech ever. Mm. Is this her best album? Well, because it's her debut, so presumably this is something they did before they ironed out all the kinks. Do you know and what? I actually quite liked it, and they they play again to go back to that South Bank Centre poster that we were talking about earlier they on. Played, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. They played that as well. Didn't well, they? actually, not only that, Robert Smith they had split up at that point, and Robert Smith said, "Please reform and play my ah. festival," and they went. Okay, Robert Smith. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You would, yeah. Um, it is not their best album. It is my favourite Maybe She Will album, but there are differences between that. Um, this album was written when they were students uh, as a bedroom project, and right. the idea was that it was never going to be played live. Um, and I suppose that's why it sounds... There are tracks on it which make it sound a little... It, it doesn't sort of flow very well as an album. I will actually admit that. It's something that I quite like about it in a weird mm. way, but there's like, there's a track, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's like track six or something like that, which does have some vocals on it. Which yeah, is, there is it, a bit of vocals it's on really it. Really out of, it just feels really out of place. I like the song, but it just feels like a really odd addition to an album which is predominantly instrumental. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a couple of guys sitting around at university and mucking around. And I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, I think the band have a sort of interesting relationship with it in that it feels like it's kind of material that they did when they were very, very, very young. And mm. there are some things on it that they absolutely do not like at all. But there's a certain charm to that. Well, I think I having feel. a song called the Paris Hilton sex tape mm. is a bit much in it. Mm. But um, the, actually, speaking of a bit much... Um, I want to very briefly talk about the artwork because I learned something about this. I actually, mm. I um, did an interview with the band on YouTube about this record a year or two ago for its 10th anniversary. And if you type in, maybe she will not for want of trying, I'm sure it will come up somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
And it's like an hour long interview and found out loads of stuff about it, which was great for me because I really love this record. But the artwork, have you seen the artwork? Yeah, it's uh, like a red haired lady with no clothes on. Mm. Um, but not only that. So it's a very beautiful image, right? It's a very beautiful artsy image. Yeah. It's got flowers and stuff around the side. It's got flowers and stuff around it. Yeah. yeah. Looks like flowers. If you look really, really super, super close, that is actually pictures of all sorts of horrible, nasty, nasty, nasty things. Is it? Uh, yeah. Um, some of which I was told, like images of war and so on and so forth, and also disease vaginas, I was told. Um, and it's that whole idea of kind of looking at something and thinking, that's really beautiful. But in reality, if you look up, if you go out really, really close to something, it's actually, there's some really horrible things in it. I just really liked that because I'd had that image on a CD case, admittedly, not a vinyl, but for, mm. for seven or eight years or however long. And then the, I'm told that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, and I just like that idea of art that's staring you in the face and you think it's one thing. And then years later, you find out it's something totally yeah, that's different. Cool. That's cool. I mean, I like this record. I thought it was quite good. It's good. Yeah, yeah it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, I did. I enjoyed it for the most part. I like the second half a bit more. Um, yeah i totally agree the, yeah, yeah totally agree better. so anyway that is maybe she will not for the want of trying uh which came out in 2008 my pick also came out in 2008 i gave you 808s and heartbreak by kanye west um released on the 24th of november 2008 it is the fourth kanye west solo record um we've spoken about hip-hop a fair old bit um with various different artists since we've been doing this podcast um you said that in a weird way did i you said doing this podcast doing this podcast it's like the way i said woman once let's not talk about that (laughs) yeah yeah but that's deep-seated hatred being suppressed whereas i just said it weirdly Mm -hmm. um but we've spoken about uh hip-hop a fair old bit um this isn't it weird? Can I just say, right, and again, I don't want to go into our own personal situations too much, although I feel like we're kind of going to have to because... Uh, yeah, we probably are. Like, we probably basically yeah. are going to have to because the week I picked this um, was kind of the week before everything that happened with both mine and your mother's uh, passing away. And Definitely need to put the plural there because mother's... otherwise that's kind of... We have the same mother. Yeah, which, which we don't. Um, so... Despite, despite the rumours, yeah. we don't. Um, and so I picked this record just because I thought it was really interesting. And I did know about the kind of context for it, but I don't think I really considered it at the time. And um, You weren't to know, mate. I wasn't to know. And so much like, you know, Mark Hollis um, dying the week we decided to pick Talk Talk, um, there seems to be a little bit of weird serendipity are you trying to say you're psychic no no i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying isn't it odd the way that things um that turn out so basically Mm. um uh, the year before this record came out um kanye west mother mother unfortunately passed away uh during surgery after complications and a couple of months later he and his fiance broke off their relationship broke off their marriage uh which led him to feeling that he needed to create a new sound a new something something different to what he'd been doing before because he didn't feel like the way that he felt could be expressed through rap music um that is the context leading up to that record Renfrey, kanye west mm-hmm. your thoughts hmm I pre probably... this like i mean 
have you listened to the Kanye West album pre-listening to this? Uh, front to back, no. Okay. Um, um, I probably have more opinions on him as a man than his music, but that's not what you're asking, is it? Well, you know, let's let's get the whole let's have the whole hog, I guess. Well, what do you think, like in general, Kanye West as an artist, as a person, as a you know one of the biggest cultural icons of this decade which he mm. undoubtedly is and previous to that as well um I, i'm just interested in your thoughts in kanye west in general um i think gold digger's good gold digger's really good <laughs> um i he i am of the understanding that I, I don't think it applies for this album but i'm of the understanding that uh hmm. when when artists become really big um people criticize them because they like to and a big critique of Kanye West from hip hop people as far as I'm aware is that he steals a lot of stuff from soul music I read quite a bit of that on the first three records apparently okay. apparently that's the thing it's well it's definitely well whether it's right or not it's definitely a thing it's just funny is that, you, a lot. that an entire art form made from a basically a kind of magpie based art form which is solely created with the idea of kind of taking things from the past mm. and reimagine them and fucking with them and doing things with them feels like a really odd comparison i'm not supporting that's almost like to me that would be like going i don't like guns and roses because he uses a guitar <laughs> i'm not supporting the argument because no, i don't know enough about it okay but just I felt like I needed to do some research for this and that just seemed to come up a lot. And I was like, man, people are really pissed off about this sort of thing. But I would also acknowledge at the same time that when when people get as big as Kanye West, a lot of people get um, pissed off about things which aren't probably relevant, to be honest. Mm. Um, it happens with most massive artists. So maybe well, that is a load of bollocks. I there was know. a thing recently with, was it Dion Warwick? Uh no, Shaka Khan. It was Shaka Khan mm -hmm. who said uh, Kanye West contacted her and asked if she if he could use a sample from one of her songs. She said yes when he told her what it was all about. She said yes, that sounds fine. And then she heard the song. She said she thought it was terrible. And okay. she's like, I wish I'd never given him the permission to do it. So, but that to me, like you know, that's the you know, it's not yours anymore, is it? Like once you've given over the 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 sort of thing to say yes you may fuck around with this that's if what someone you get money for doing it right? yeah exactly yeah, right yeah um because you might not be happy with the results yeah so. exactly so um i actually before i really knew anything about kanye west as a man uh i had heard the the college dropout the college graduate and um i thought they're really good really good records okay and those kind of what would it would have been 2003 2004 2005 those records coming out um i thought this guy seems like just a, a very talented mc and you know he does pull from the thing i like about hip-hop well i've always liked about hip-hop is you know people taking old soul and funk records and turning them into something new i think that's that's cool and that's it's what a, it's certainly the side that i enjoy the most yeah and that's what hip-hop kind of always felt like it used to be yeah. to me yeah um 
this album is not really a hip hop record. It's. Uh, I was going to say it's not, is it? It's really? an album that Kanye West is described as uh, something he invented called mm. art pop. Mm. Now, art pop as a genre title feels a bit weird and redundant to me because it's an insinuation that previously to this, there was no artistry in pop music, which is mm-hmm. nonsense. Nonsense, yeah. Complete and utter nonsense. But as, you know, as a title, if we're going to use it as a title, as, as Kanye wanted us to, it's not, it's not the worst description of what this record kind of sounds like. I do have a question for you, though. And this is a question from a layman's perspective in terms of this stuff. So I'm not coming into this with a sort of uh, aggressive stance. I genuinely want to know. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between 808s and Heartbreaks and, say, a Seal record? Um, I mean, isn't this basically R&B? Uh, yeah, well, I guess so. I mean, I think the... Sounds like it to me. Yeah, slightly. I mean, I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. I think that's a fair comment. I, I, I think don't, a I, Seal record But is, okay, maybe. Oh, all right. I was just... Yeah, I just yeah, thought yeah, yeah. of a big R&B artist, but you know. Um, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly... I think there's... There is more to do with um, actual kind of... Uh, on the on, on much of the record, it is still kind of clipped rather than sung like a lot of it i don't think he's a great singer he clearly to, isn't a great singer as opposed to seal this is, is auto-tuned to fuckery well this is the thing this is where that kind of auto-tune thing began to come in i think he wanted- He wasn't the first though it was because he even acknowledges yes. that he got it from what's his face um you know t-pain there we go thank you t-pain apparently yes. yeah um, again i'm i've just read all this stuff i'm yeah not an expert. there's um there's also there's the the kind of comparison with um what's the dude's fucking name um there was an album that came out just before this kid cuddy i think yeah kid cuddy works on this doesn't he yeah Mm. and i think he had released a record which had a similar sort of sound to it but ultimately this was a record i mean the reason that i brought this record in is because for two things one i remember it being released and i remember people being very very unhappy mm. and very weird and not particularly in the press so much but certainly the people that i knew who enjoyed hip-hop and had enjoyed Kanye west really didn't seem to understand it and secondly i kind of brought it in because for my money this is when we talk about the birth of emo rap and mumble rap and we talk about how influential people like drake have been when every time we talk about those new hip-hop artists and what they're doing they all to me feel like shitty rip-offs of this all of them and i think this is such an unbelievably influential record whether the influence is a good thing or not is definitely something that we need that we can talk about Mm. but much like the first corn album spawned edema and the union underground um do you berate the artist who kind of created and popularized it and kind of wag your finger at them and go look what you've done look what you've done because certainly you know when i listen to when i hear something like post malone or 
any one of those fucking people. Yeah. Um, I do kind of go, this all kind of sounds the same and it all can be traced back, back to this. To this. But then, I mean, I don't strictly disagree with that, but, you know, just to go back to this art pop and RB and R&B thing, I don't know. I certainly don't think, you know, Kanye West suggesting that he created a totally new genre with this record i think is a massive um over exaggeration because this feels like harder r&b to me yeah it but feels it, like r&b just with a little bit more anger yeah you know but it, and I mean, a little bit more heartbreak i guess it's i mean well okay so do you do you like this record no do you not oh god i can't can you it. not do you, can can you see how it's artistically interesting? I think that oh yeah 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 yeah. I definitely think there are there are moments that I think are quite brilliant actually, mm. um, but more so in a far more technical manner. I think the production on a song like RoboCop, for example, mm. which apparently he's not happy with, and I've got to say, I think RoboCop is uh, as a technical production job and marvel the way it's put together and the way it's constructed i thought it was pretty fucking amazing yeah it was one of the only times i could understand why this record is sort of considered a masterpiece Mm. of any kind but i suppose in order to explain why i don't like it um we have to talk about autotune now autotune was very much it's it's it feels like every note that is sung on this record is auto-tuned. Yeah. Uh, and that may well be the case. Possibly. It is definitely a choice. It's obvious it's a choice. Uh-huh. Um, I can't stand auto-tune. No, I, I, I cannot stand it. I hate it. I think it's really interesting you bring up the whole thing about this record is clearly, there are clearly pained moments on this record and there are clearly it's clearly about something and I'm not going to sit here and go, Oh, it isn't about anything and blah, 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 blah. You know, we've been talking about his mother passing away and I read all that before I read the, uh, listened to the record and I kind of been putting it off for quite a long time because right now I don't really want to listen to a record like that. Yeah. When it came, I was going to ask actually, we'll save it for the end. But one of the things I was going to ask was, does this kind of emotionally resonate with you right where you are right now? Because I guess we've... I'm about to do that right now. Okay. Not in the slightest. Right. So I've feared listening to this record because of what it's about. And I'm fairly... I'm quite happy to say this. The day that we're recording this, tomorrow is my mum's funeral, right? So in terms of a record about, you know, which half of which or, or a third of which or whatever is about their mother passing away there is no better time in my life for it to resonate with me and and emotionally move me when you auto-tune everything to fuckery it puts so much distance between um the art and me listening to it and it makes it sound so robotic it literally doesn't do anything for me at all i didn't find this record vaguely emotionally resonant not because i don't think it comes from an emotionally resonant place but because of the um techniques that were employed on it on purpose admittedly but i just happen to hate those techniques Mm. annoyingly 
if it hadn't been auto-tuned to fuckery, there's a lot of moments on this record that I like a lot more. But I hate that auto-tune thing so much. It's so grating on me. My dad, we used to have a lot of conversations. He was like a classical composer type person and he hated the sound of distorted guitars. So, you know, sometimes I'd show him stuff from Injustice for All and be like, you know, there's in, in, there's a lot of classical influence in this or a piece like Orion or something like that. He would, and we'd even sit down with the sheet music and I'd go, look, look, this is this is taken from Bach. This is, and he could see all of that because he had lo- a musically theoretical mind. And yeah. he said, I can see that that is the case. And looking at the sheet music, he'd be like, I can see why this is brilliant, but I hate the sound of distorted guitars. I don't like it, so I'm never going to like it. That's how I feel about autotune. Right. I just hate it. It just it's it's cheese down a chalkboard. It's nails down a chalkboard for me. I cannot stand it. Mm. So if you use it as an artistic choice, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get on board, especially when it is all over the record. And I know I'm not the first person to say that um, about this record in particular. You're not the first person between the two of us. Right, have said it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah, we we yeah, spoke yeah. about the 1975. We've spoken about yeah. all kinds of artists that you yeah. know. All of them do employ this, this technique now. Yeah. Um, Although actually, even the 1975 and stuff, it's sparingly to yeah. use it on. Uh, there was an interesting. There was a Rolling Stone 10th anniversary uh, piece about this record, so I thought I'd read that. There's an interesting thing that the producer said, Jeff Baskar. He said there was a lot of verses and a lot of mumbling to translate. So we had a lot of writers trying to crack out to write that write this song. Uh, what's he referring to? Love Lockdown mm. and what that story is. Um, of the lyric writing process, he said, we put the auto tune on so he could do it live, Kanye. And when he had that, it was like Christmas, you know, because now all of a sudden he could play an instrument. And that quote to me is his producer saying Kanye West can't sing. Mm. So we put auto-tune on him so that he could sing. Mm. And I suppose, you know, I know we live in a generation where talentless people are, uh, oh, maybe it's not right to call him talentless, but, but oh, definitely not. Right but to talentless. Where, well, I mean, no, it's everything, really not, but everything mate. about this record, all the good things about it are nothing to do with Kanye. I don't think they're all to do with everyone uh, around. Him. I don't agree with that. Actually. I don't think that's true. I think. Okay. But when it comes to the singing part, I think it's kind of crazy to have to go. I can't sing. So let's get a synthetic robot thing to do it for. I mean, I, I yeah, think I mean, it's I understand a really, I think it's a really it. gross place that art has got to. Yeah, me too. I do. To be honest. I mean, I, 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 w- I would completely agree with that. Um, I think the tool that they used w- on this particular album, it's weird going back to the kind of emotional resonance that like, I'm actually the same as you. I don't like, I find it quite easy to listen to. Yeah. Um, it didn't affect me at all. No. Yeah. Unlike say stage four by two shame more, which I'm just like, you know, well, especially compared to, uh, well, I, I don't, there's no point in bringing it up next to this, but we listened to Lingua Ignota last oh, week yeah. and you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was dreading it in a similar sort of fashion just mm-hmm. because of everything that's been going on. And it was a doddle. It yeah. was, it in terms of emotion, it was not a problem at all. It yeah, was fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, um, it's not as explicit. And I feel like mm. this is an album which is made by a very sad and insular man mm-hmm. who just happens to be one of the most famous people on, on the planet. And I think what is cool about this record and why like 
I really like this record mm -hmm. for what it's worth. I actually do really like it. Um, it's not my favorite Kanye West album, although, and it's taken me a long time to find any kind of level of appreciation for it. And I feel like I'm lucky that I found that level of appreciation for it before this became the kind of stock sound of what music sounds like. Yeah. It is so influential. It is so influential. It has been so copied on a mass scale. It's terrifying to think. Yeah. And like you yeah. say, and, and it's been copied. Um, I think what the kind of, what the intriguing and interesting thing about this record is, is listening to someone trying to cloak his expressions of sadness. Um, he said it himself earlier on when I mentioned it, hip hop could not allow him to express it. He didn't feel like rap and hip hop could allow him to express his own vulnerability and his own sadness. I'm trying to think of a hip hop record before this, which um, kind of shared those, you know, it would always be something like, I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy. Which is mm. a kind of tribute song to it. It's a bit schmaltzy. Yeah, I don't to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this album schmaltzy. It comes across no. as real to me. It mm. is brilliantly produced. Mm. Yeah. I mean, real in the sense that, you know, this is somebody struggling with their own internal monologue. This does feel like, it feels like he is a bit scared to open himself up too much and has felt like he's needed to do something different and even though he's like right this is what i'm gonna do a lot of it is cloaked in robotic voices in you know i think there's a lot of chat about it being inspired by like vangelis which and, yeah. and kind of 80s um electro ambient pop music mm. which i can hear as much more you know more than i can hear kind of r&b or whatever and although i do think you know that is definitely an element but then it's it's a Kanye West album. It's going to have mm. those sort of elements in it. Um, in terms of a, a reinvention and in terms of what it's done for music, it's an incredibly fascinating document. And I do genuinely think that there's something... When I listen to, let's say, Linguita Ignota, or let's... Actually, no, let's not. Let's use Touche and More. Mm -hmm. When I listen to Touche and More, I feel like I'm there with Jeremy. I feel like I'm, he is t reaching out to me, he's talking to me, he's feeling like he needs to express this thing that is, he's going through. When I listen to this, I feel like I'm looking at Kanye West with his back to me, curled up in a corner, not wanting to be looked at. And it's just a different type of emotion. Um, I almost, yeah, it's kind of a voyeuristic, it's almost like a voice. I feel, listen to this record, it feels like a kind of, a voyeuristic record to listen to. I mean, even the first track, Say You Will, hmm. um, which ends, it's over six minutes long. It's nearly six and a half minutes long. and One of the better, better songs and, as well, definitely. And it doesn't, it takes a long time to end. Yeah. It's got the same beat and that same beat goes on well, that with beat, no vocals and no lyrics. And you kind of go, where's he gone? Well, that beat also sounds like a heart monitor, which is yeah. obviously, you know, a reference of what it seems to his mother and stuff. And, and, and it has a sort of heavenly kind of choir as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, I, I got all those references. It just, and I don't doubt at all that the input to this record had a massive emotional 
resonance with Kanye West. Mm-hmm. The problem with it for me is the output doesn't have an emotional resonance with me. Yeah, I think that's fine. And and, and honestly, I would probably agree with you. Right. Like I say, this feels like a kind of voyeuristic mm. thing to listen to. It doesn't feel like someone coming to you and going, share my pain. It feels like somebody going, I, I don't want anyone around me right now. That's yeah. sort of how I feel about this record. And that is an incredibly interesting and quite brave take to make as one of the most famous people on the planet. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think when it's very easy in 2019 to kind of scoff at Kanye West and to go, what an idiot. And like, I oh, listen to him. What's he on about? Look at him and his bloody celebrity wedding, blah, 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 blah. And you know, he doesn't know the words to Bohemian Rhapsody. He's a moron, especially from our scene. Do you know what I mean? It's very easy for us to do that. It's quite hard to look back at this record with fresh eyes without the kind of 11 years of copycat watering down that this record has been through. It's quite, I think it's quite hard to listen to it without that context in it, without going another fucking auto-tune album, another... Do you know what I mean? I, I do, but then at the same time, I avoid all of that stuff so much that... But you are aware that it I'm aware that it exists. It's very hard to completely, you know, you just got to turn the fucking TV on and there's an advert for Love Island using like, that shit. And that's this, do you know what I mean? This is, in its own way, it's as influential to popular culture as Nevermind was. Mm. Um, And it was, you know, like I said, I remember it coming out and people were being like, oh God, have you heard that candy? I think I I was working HMV at the time and people were like, that fucking Kanye West album is a piece of shit. Have you heard the new Kanye West album? Oh my God, it's terrible. It's just like a fucking Casio keyboard with him mumbling over the top of it. And that's become the biggest selling thing in the world. Mm. Um, it does bother me though how, you know, Kurt Cobain would and did acknowledge his influences. He often said that Smells Like Teen Spirit was just him ripping off More Than a Feeling by Boston. You know, Pixies as well. Quite, Pixies, quite loud, he yeah. talked about a lot, you know. And I mean, I know we're talking about the man now rather than the music, but for the man to go, I've invented a genre called art pop, when actually in reality, he's taken a bit of R&B, taken a little bit of electronic and smooshed them together. Like, I don't feel like if, at best he's invented a subgenre. Do you know what I mean? And even then, I don't think it's even he's even done enough to do that. Do you know what I mean? And it's so... Maybe. Yes, it's easy to look at him and go, oh, you're a stupid, ignorant person. But it's because he's a stupid, ignorant things. You know, <laughs> like like I've invented a genre. I mean, this doesn't... I will accept that there's a bit of electronic stuff in it as well. But for him to insinuate that it's this totally brand new concept, which has come all from his head or whatever, you know, whatever he, for him to insinuate that he's invented a genre is such fucking nonsense. Like this is, I can absolutely see how this is a continuation of a little bit of R and B with a little bit of electronica put into it. Like that's all it is. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that anyone had done that before necessarily. Or to be honest, what I'm saying is I haven't got a clue because I don't know about this genre, but is, I mean, I, I feel like bands, I mean, we were just talking about cult dreams who've mixed lo-fi punk with shoegaze. I can't think of many other bands who've done that, but they're not claiming they've invented a genre. No, but he's Kanye West. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a, a cock. <laughs> ah, he's, <laughs> he's fucking annoying. Um, 
but but I do think you know for for what it's gone on to kind of create, it's undeniably like the, you know for better or worse, mm. this is um this is something. And for for what it's worth, I you know I actually think this is a a really good record, a really at, good record. And at no point have I said that this album is not influential mm. because oh, no, no, I, I think it'd be really um bollocks I, I think it'd be incorrect. it's undeniable like yeah. do you know what i mean yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, yeah, go yeah, yeah. no it's not it's like when people go no oh, no nirvana didn't do anything so it's yeah. like, don't be yeah, ridiculous yeah, yeah. you're talking out your ass yeah um billboard call it the modern equivalent of dylan going electric um in 2014 the rolling stone rated it as one of the 40 most influential albums of all time one of only two records that were released in this millennium just to what put it into context. One? I don't know. Mm. Just to put it into context. But despite all of that, it was not nominated for any Grammys. Um, and that is apparently due to Kanye West's spat with Taylor Swift earlier that oh, year yeah. at the MTV Awards. Yeah, apparently so. We don't have that officially uh, as knowledge, but that's what the kind of the, the skinny on that is by all accounts. So anyway, there you go. I would say... Um, Definitely an interesting record. Yeah, I'm definitely not denying definitely that. Definitely an interesting story. And, you know, we try and um, we, we try our best to at least keep up with, you know, what's going on in, the, also, in the modern world. Also, actually, just to, you know, lay a little bit of praise on it after being quite mean about it. Robocop really stunned me. I thought that was amazing. I think there's plenty of moments on this from, really uh, but uh, you know, from a production point of view, to be mm. honest. And if you see the amount of uh, the reason why I go, yeah, but all the really amazing stuff doesn't come directly from Kanye is because a, I think that, and b, the the songs that have shit loads of production credits or writers on, uh, you know, according to Wikipedia, yeah. are generally the best songs. Yeah. I like feel like yeah, it's, I feel it's like he's, <laughs> I feel like he's surrounded himself, and I think a lot of pops. Oh, of course they do. Do this. They surround themselves with incredibly talented people who don't get the. And then I had somebody on Twitter said was saying the other day that Beyonce is an auteur. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I actually I actually think Beyonce's written some amazing pop tunes. Yeah, well, not on her own. Uh, not on her own though. No. <laughs> you know, like like yeah. I mean, that's how pop works. You yeah, know? of course. Fine. Um, There's nothing. I mean, you know, this which is, is okay. I, I think that you know this is something. Uh, probably for a bigger point, but I think the kind of the the way that people talk about pop music now, in you know, like it, there is some really in- artistic. We were talking about churches earlier. I'm not going to slag off yeah. pop music. There is some really interesting, dark, cool, credible pop yeah. music happening all the time. Yeah, um, and Robocop is a brilliantly yeah. put together song by about twelve writers. Yeah, and I think that's that's absolutely fine. But when you're Might starting to throw around words like kind of auteur and genius for yeah. for certain artists, I know. I mean, Kanye West is he a genius i don't know he's very talented certainly he's very very talented and he knows how to kind of make the best out of um the the tools that he's been given i'm not even convinced he's talented i'm convinced (laughs) he i'm convinced he surrounds himself with incredibly talented people he's, he's definitely talented have you seen material of him performing some of this stuff live it's pretty bad. Yeah, you know, but then... Because he can't this, sing. But this, yeah, but this is not meant... I mean, for me, again, like, I wouldn't want to watch this live. I would have no emotional effects on me whatsoever. I, I mean, it I'd just be, wouldn't... I would be, yeah, but I have absolutely no interest in watching this sort of thing live, particularly. Sure, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Because, again, it's, it feels, like I say, this feels like a voyeuristic 
record to me. And I, you know, I, I don't think that it's meant, you know, like, I say it's not meant to work live. Like he's playing fucking stadiums and stuff. So you like to see the Holy Bible live. I mean, you did and it wasn't very good when they yeah, did it. Yeah, the Holy ago. Bible was full of bangers. PCP. There's not a fucking chorus like PCP. You know, this isn't about choruses and stuff. The, the Holy, sure. You know, it's a different thing. I mean, somebody, we were, I was talking to someone these things i think they need to be sort of um taken on the merits and other elements that they're kind of meant for and you know the holy bible james dean bradfield turned that as a lyric sheet yeah but james dean bradfield turned that into a rock record there's a lot yeah, a kind of lot, an accessible rock record i mean i was talking to someone on twitter the other day who said oh you know the linguita ignota album's crap you know but you know jane doe is a great visceral kind of cathartic album and i was like well jane doe's a hardcore record it's meant to be you're meant to jump around you know the music on it is meant to be you jumping around it's meant to be a kind of just an expression of anger i don't think it's anything much more than that and you know uh, it's just different it's completely different it's barely comparable at all and i don't think the holy bible is comparable to this no personally. i suppose i was trying to find something voyeuristic but um sure yeah i don't think we're going to agree that he's I don't well, I'm gonna... not going to use the word genius, <laughs> but I definitely think he's talented. And I think if you look at his production credits from before he was even a solo artist, you can tell that he's somebody who understands how to to compartmentalize and put together music. So, anyway, there you go. 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye West. So next week, Renfrey, what you got for me? Should I give you what I've got? Because I've got mine. You usually take about yeah. half an hour to decide, don't you? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you. Are you a big Primal Scream fan? I like bits and pieces. It depends what you give me in terms as to whether I've heard it or not. Have you heard Exterminator? Yeah, I have. Oh, bum, I bum quite well. Sorry. Bumhole. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you my backup to that. Okay. <laughs> and this is going to, you're going to wish you just pretended that oh, you had not this record. Right, I'm going to give you the debut album by the uh, early late 80s, early 90s electronic duo Utah Saints. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, you're giving me an electronic record. I'm going to give you an electronic record. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll have an electronic special. Uh, I was quite surprised to hear that you'd never heard a record of theirs a few weeks ago when I did a live review for them. So um, I'm going to give you Three Trap Tigers, Route One or Die. Okay. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Been mean to listen to them. So Route One or, dri- or, or Drive. Route One or Die. Route One or Die by Three Trap Tigers is what I'm going to listen to. You're going to listen to Utah Saints by Utah Saints. Banger. Um, and next week, we're going to be talking Frank Turner, Kill Switch Engage, Feeder. We were going to review Feeder this week, but we got sent it half an hour before we started recording tonight. Mm, so we could have just gone, it sounds like Feeder, which is inevitably what we'll do next week. Um, but we thought we should at least listen to it all the way through once. <laughs> Sounds quite good, what we heard, isn't it? We heard like a song and a half. It's, yeah. It sounds I good. I heard the first four tracks. I got to put it on before we got here. Um, and I'm going to Bloodstock. Bloodstock. So I will report back from the UK's most metal, metal festival. Metal. Um, go over to musicism.net, put in the code right in capital letters and you will get 25% off the singular best courses um, of, of anything oh, in well, the world. Fucking hell. That is, that is quite high praise. I'm not... Yeah, get on them, guys. You better make them that good. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you later, Renfrey. Bye.